The bright red hook and ladder truck, lights flashing, thundered up and down the steep hills of San Francisco with Bond in the driver's seat, a worried-looking Stacy beside him, and a trail of police behind them. Look, Mr. Bond, or Mr. Sinjin Smythe, I admit I was impressed with the way you got us out of the burning elevator, but was it necessary to steal a fire engine and... Look out! That bridge ahead of us, it's going up! Hold on, we're going to jump it. With expert skill, Bond landed the fire truck safely on the other side of the bridge, leaving the police far behind. Then he headed north toward the abandoned mine he had located on the map. Stopping for a light, Bond saw a Zorin Company explosives truck parked at a roadside gas station. Come on, he called, grabbing Stacy's hand. You're in for another ride. Another episode of James Bond and Friends. Uh, this week, James Bond has been laboriously going through seven hours of depositions at the antitrust hearings in Congress to, to find out who's likely the most tech villain. Um, <laughs> turns out it's Jeff Bezos. So, um, this week we are joined by Phil, Calvin, Bill, Dr. Lisa, Ben, and David. Would you like to introduce you all? Sure, this is Phil from Fangoria. Uh, and you know, whatever else you got. this is calvin uh i run the calvin dyson youtube channel where i look at all things bond reviews games books films all that kind of stuff and today i'm drinking a tiffany blue sparkler cocktail which is a uh hypnotique which is a french uh very blue cognac uh mixed with prosecco so uh cheers i thought i'd go for some bubble that's so fancy i know fancy and a little bit tacky at the same time because it sort of tastes a bit like bubble gum now but i I like that fancy and tacky just like the movie (laughs) (laughs) are we watching diamonds are forever (laughs) bill uh i'm bill koenig with the spy command uh, I am Dr. Lisa Funnel. I'm an associate professor at the University of Oklahoma. I'm the author of The Geographies, Genders, and Geopolitics of James Bond, editor of For His Eyes Only, The Women of James Bond. And I mean, I'm not that fancy. I'm just having ginger ale and amaretto because I saw what y'all were drinking. They sent us pictures of their drinks. And I'm like, I don't have anything in my house that can match that. So, but we are drinking it in a Darth Vader glass. So, you know, I stepped up. <laughs> uh, hey, this is Ben, you know me, uh, I write for MI6, uh, HQ.com and the magazine MI6 Confidential. Um, I created a, a, a cocktail for this podcast, um, which I have called uh, the Sutton Comfort. Um, so cheers. <laughs> cheers. And David Lee here, I run the James Bond dossier, I am author of the complete guide to the drinks of James Bond, and I'm, I'm about to finish a rum and coke, so cheers. Yes. Awesome. You had to finish it before we got started. <laughs> yeah, well, it's <laughs> the way it goes. So this week's movie, Ben finally got a view to a kill over the top. Yeah! Yes, it did. And it, 
<laughs> and it actually won with the highest margin we've ever had on a four-way vote. So I guess nice. everybody was feeling the summer heat and wanting a bit of the 80s. Oh, yeah. Um, or so it was a, or it was a fix. <laughs> so if you're going to your settings and set playback to half speed, I figured we'd do this over four hours. <laughs> That's all right. No. Can we do it at double speed, please? <laughs> well, if, if you do it at, at, at twice slow speed, then more just sort of feels like he's just doing his normal speed. So... <laughs> um, so, if everybody's got it queued up, um, yeah. Ben, you have the honours this oh, week in three, two, one, play. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Did you say lion, by the way? <laughs> it's supposed to be an homage to Roger Moore's last line in the movie. Oh. <laughs> I thought the line was in The Protologist. <laughs> oh, two-handed gun barrel for more. This is nice. I, you know, just I, I, I love, I love this this film so much. I he's can't so, even he's so old. He has to use both hands to keep it steady now. Yeah. <laughs> Remote control helicopter, everybody coming in, wobbling, wobbling into shot. <laughs> I actually really enjoy this pre-title sequence um, far more than I than I should. Um, but I, I think it's, you know, it's one of the nice things about the kind of the more area you, you've got these little, mini, like these proper little mini adventures, um, which you don't really get so much anymore. And, uh, uh, you know, I think this is one of my, my favorites. There's, there's a lot wrong with it. There's a lot of things that yeah. don't go quite, quite right with it, but this is, this is a good one. So I've often thought if you're a double O agent on a mission, do you take a picture of your wife and kids with you? <laughs> hmm. Maybe it's yeah. part of his cover. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, it was his way of getting the microchip out of the facility. He pretended to be Sergei, whoever, and said, "Oh, look, I'm married with you know." And that's very. That's how he got it I out. Can't of possibly be an agent because I've got a wife and kids. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's just like you know, his hands aren't freezing at all. Like, just don't wear gloves. It's fine. Um, <laughs> he gets spotted so easily. He's wearing like full white camo and he's been spotted twice it's pretty impressive <laughs> um, he may as well have just gone with the yellow banana suit again yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> he so should have done that yeah um, there's, a, there's a there's a nice bit of overdub in a minute where one of the um, uh, Russian guys gets swung off the, the side of the, the, the cliff and uh, he goes oh Roger Morsky <laughs> um, and if, if you listen closely, that's that's what he says. Um, what? Uh, so I did an article on this recently for MI6. Uh, I, I assume it got published. I didn't read it. Um, <laughs> which which was all about uh, Bond's uh, sort of snow snowmobiles and uh, yes, kind of skiing. Oh, it did get published. Oh, great. I'm sure it was well-received. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I did uh, I, I, this. Uh, so skiing on one ski was, was one of Bogner's kind of great uh, tricks. Um, and also the kind of uh, – that's where he says it. Watch out, uh, <laughs> and, and this uh, And this snowboarding stuff was, was extremely new at the time. Um, you know. 
Um, so Bond Mythbusters. So I looked this up last night because I knew we'd talk, talk about this bit. Apparently mm. invented in the 60s, extremely yeah. popular in parts of Scandinavia in the 60s and 70s. And in the early 80s, they were already having championships and stuff. So... Uh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, early eight, early eighties. You, you certainly didn't see see them in, in Europe. Uh, but it was only there was only late one 80s. film. There was only one film that it, it, it appeared in right. prior to this, which was an actual snowboarding film. Right. So this is the first sort of uh, mainstream movie that uh, snowboarding appears in. So that's that's pretty cool, I think. Um, and it is a great sequence. Um, I I don't really like the uh, California Girls. <laughs> Um, Who does? We get, but but um, why is but, it here? Well, watching this <laughs> on silent as as we are right now, this um, it works this better. Is a really, it's a yeah. It's it's, a really good I think movie. I think our friend Mark, who loves this movie to pieces like I do, says like that's kind of like the thing that they should have on like an opening night cut where you put yeah. all these stupid gags in, and then they get taken out for like general distribution later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think honorary, uh, Mark is kind of here in spirit as a kind of an honorary um, yes. a, a guest on, on this one. Um, I'm, I'm certainly going to try and channel channel as much Mark as I can for this. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. Uh, it would be really nice to kind of have a kind of a gag reel. Uh, this, this model helicopter is, is so clearly tiny. Um, the more you watch it. I've never more- questioned it in my life before today. <laughs> You shattered this illusion. <laughs> so it's so small, um, but yeah, I, I think um, I think there are you know that that's one of the kind of the, the big criticisms of kind of Roger Moore's era is they did do a lot of this kind of un, uh, unnecessary kind of gags and um, the, funny what, what for Premier Night, but not so much yeah. for thirty years later. Yeah, exactly. Um, I always get really like they're in this. I think how many days? Five days to but to. to like to Alaska. Alaska, Alaska, and I'm just like, there's no bathroom in this this sub. And there's <laughs> the ocean. Yeah, they're just eating so ca- caviar, caviar and vodka, and I'm just like, God, that's that's gonna go right through you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small was, cabin. <laughs> uh, apparently, when they, when they made this. Uh, vehicle it was basically a motorboat with a fiberglass shell over the top of it and the yeah. guy that had to drive it or sail it i guess yeah. um, was getting choking. Um, <laughs> choking on the diesel fumes <laughs> because they couldn't they had to hide the diesel exhaust so he was just sitting there driving it yeah. breathing it in yeah <laughs> oh classy no, no. I, I don't like this pre-title sequence i'm sorry to be the negative one um i, I, I find it kind of land i don't know the the snowboarding stuff's good but uh i the back projection's really bad the the inserts of roger moore are just quite poorly handled i think and then it's just a bit of a how damp squib of an ending how very dare you Cal? how very <laughs> dare you but i will but i will counter that and say this is one of my favorite bond songs like even mm-hmm. thinking yes. and getting excited about this like it's like you know, meeting you with the view. Like, I'm just like dancing in the fire in the shower, getting ready for this <laughs> podcast. Like, I, it's 80s, it's Duran Duran. It's, it's, it's so exciting. Good. So, it's a really I, exciting choice. Like, you, yeah. you didn't have anything like this since like Paul McCartney, maybe. Yeah, I was going to say, has there ever been a time when a Bon artist Bon theme is like all kicked into pop culture just as hard as it has here? Well, yeah, maybe no, it does. 
On the uh, on the music video, they actually showed a portion of the film. I mean, not yeah. the stills. I mean, an actual. I mean, they had the gun barrel. You had Roger Moore shoot and all that stuff, and then the gun barrel opens up on the Eiffel Tower, and they show that sequence with uh, Bond talking to the private detective that's coming up yeah. later. And and Adele in Skyfall is another example of what picking an artist that was just right for that moment. Yeah, real zeitgeisty. Yeah, mm. but this is this is also yeah. I mean, like Duran Duran. I mean, were my favorite band at the time that this came out. I was eleven, but um, I was <laughs> I was all over them. And sure. even like even the music video uh, with the with the band where Simon Le Bon does the Bond, Simon Le Bon. You know, <clears throat> like it's cheesy, but I kind of love that as well. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think? So, Sorry. No, uh, go ahead. Well, I was curious what you guys thought that Mr. Bender did with the money he saved on a choreographer. <laughs> <laughs> Spent it on um, black lights. Yeah, day, day glow paint. Uh, he's uh, reusing those Roger Moore inserts from The Spy Who Loved Me, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, this whole, film, this whole film has been where can we cut a few corners? Um, yeah. Although, including, you know, the Beach Boys wasn't the Beach Boys. It was a cover band doing the Beach Boys. Yeah. So to save the royalties. Yeah. Um, I, do, I, just, I, do, I do really like this intro, though. It's so, all the colors are so redolent of the, of the 80s. And although it is kind of clearly cheaply done, um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I still love it. Um, that makeup I mean, is ridiculous. Shy of, of, of them all wearing sweatbands, I think. Mm. Just... <laughs> it's great. You don't. This you might have leg warmers on. You, can, you don't know. I own a lot of leg warmers. Just wanted to throw <laughs> that out there. Especially when I go home to Canada, I wear them. But there's something. I had a, one of my cousins. She's like, "So are leg warmers coming back?" I'm like, "No, it's freaking cold in Canada. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not trying they to never be left. stylish. <laughs> like, these are, you know, what we wear." <laughs> Is the song uh, yeah. left over? I'm having to queue up. Somewhat wrong with my digital copy. Uh-oh. Directed by John Glenn. Oh, yeah, you're just okay. about out of the. There you go. Here we go with Whitehall. the. Uh, yeah. London. Uh, that that is the actual building that Craig stands on um, later mm. on. Um, nice. And the horse guard that came out of that little area there. That's that's um, actually the Admiralty Building and Fleming's War Room is. Um, in that in that building, you know, and the, the horse guard will be in no time to die as well. So yeah. um, that's a lovely outfit, Money Penny. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I can see why James finds you irresistible. <laughs> well, he, he, he's he's also wearing pink pink stripes. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. very pastel so far. Very eighties. Oh, and she, yeah, I didn't notice that. Before. She loves this hat. Watch how much she loves this hat. <laughs> Look at this loving man. <laughs> I like this little robot. Just wanted to share that that it kind of reminds me of like a little dog. I'm playing one of the new uh, Star Wars games and I get to play with that little BB agent and it sort of stylized like a dog. So I kind of like little robot things that are kind of cute and sweet and yeah. Yeah, in the 80s in the 80s Tommy Tommy did a, a series of toys called Omnibox, um, and I, I just wanted one of those so badly because it was just like reminded me of this little robot uh, from mm-hmm. A View to a Kill. That's a very look at that tiny technology. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, the microchip. 
Um, yeah, like, um, yeah, the, I think those kind of, I mean, it's like that, that robot just looks kind of, um, you know, like every kind of like Tommy, Tommy Tronic toy that you get in the right, 80s. Yeah. Um, Can I ask a question? I know you ooh. mentioned the, the microchip and what do you as a panel think about uh, the premise of this? The fact that there's Silicon Valley and microchips and yeah. we have robots and it seems to be talking about the rise of, say, an eventual digital era. Um, and I know like the computer technology is a bit old, but just wondering <laughs> your thoughts on like the premise of the film. Oh, it's all about the future and the whole cast in this sh shot looks like they're ready to go to a rest home. So it's really a weird <laughs> A weird disconnect for me. Somebody on Twitter said that you should you should play uh, the song from Last of the Summer Wine in the background. <laughs> well, I tell you, they uh, I think they were like all younger than I am now. Sorry, uh, Bill. When they no, filmed no this, so no, it's all right. That's no, okay. There is uh, the juxtaposition of um, everybody being in yeah. their late fifties, sixties, and yeah. then talking about tech, which is brand new. Yeah. And, right. and, um, and even even the the sort of genetically engineered Superman villain that we're going to meet, and the theme song and the titles, it really seems like they were queuing it up for like a young Bond. And I don't uh, know, you guys know more about this stuff than I do, but it seems like they were expecting like a younger, sort of more vital Bond for uh, this movie. My understanding is that Roger Moore signed. Early on, I mean, straight after Octopussy in August '83. Wow. Yeah, I mean, because the the two previous ones, there was all this talk: is he coming back or is isn't he? And they're screen testing guys, and this time, like, no, he came straight back. Also, one one idea they explored before they went with microchips was um, we were c coming up on Halley's comet coming mm -hmm. by the Earth, and so some kind of plot where the villain would somehow bring it down to Earth. Um, That's right. Why he would do this, I don't know, but uh, yeah. well, maybe, maybe even though uh, Roger Moore signed up for it, maybe they didn't expect him to make it to uh, film it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Phil, Phil, I think you did a, 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 a piece on like uh, Christopher Walken and David Bowie. You know the similarities. Oh, well, I was I was lucky enough to come into contact with the script recently, and and right. they yeah. describe him as having two different colored eyes. And Bill had written about this some years earlier, which I found mm. out after the fact. Um, but I think they fully expected to have Bowie in that role to the point where they mm. wrote the guy as having two different colored eyes, which I think is significant. And I think that's why uh, Walken's hair is the way it is. It's like, well, yeah. we can't get we can't get Bowie, but let's 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 make Walken but look Bowie as much as Bowie is dressed Bowie like this can. in the China Girl video in 1983, and it, there's very. It's, I think Bowie's sort of more embedded in this character than I realized. If you go to if you go to Phil's um, Twitter somewhere along the, the line, there is a kind of a couple of couple of couple of juxtapositions <laughs> of the, the photographs of uh, Bowie and um, and Walken in this film and. The, the the resemblance is it's striking, and they clearly have modelled him um, on that. I, I I kind of looking after after reading that, I kind of just thought, how in the hell Christopher Walken felt basically being like modelled into somebody else, you know? Um, right. Well, based on the performance, he's resisting it all the way. <laughs> <laughs> he's still doing his thing. Yeah, with the pausing. Yeah. So that, that must be the reason. That must like be the reason to, that I like to pause. <laughs> Continuing with the senior citizen theme, we've just met uh, Patrick McNee, who had been in his early sixties when this movie was filmed. 
what a lovely uh, duo they are, aren't they? I mean, you know, there's, there, there is just, I mean, look, everyone in that shot is like a thousand years old. But you, 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 <laughs> oh come on! You know, you, I, you, I, I think because I agree with Phil's comments about this strange juxtaposition of old and new in this. I, for me, I don't. I, I done a lot of thinking about this, uh, and I think it's it's not the age necessarily. It's the lack of like just. There's nothing convincing about these people in these parts. I mean, Daniel Craig's nearly the same age that Roger Moore was in this, and he's just mm. far more convincing. It's just, and it does just feel like oh, Roger's old acting chums are all coming in for his mm. last hurrah and I, I suppose that has its own charm but i just don't buy what what nationality is this guy supposed to be stereotype that country he's a, as a passport holder of, this, of the, of the yeah. stereotype yeah <laughs> Bleu. Oh, I wonder. I wonder if on the subtitle. I wonder if on the subtitles he's called Mr. Eggplant. Yeah. <laughs> I am so glad I, you are play. You are paying the bill. Asian baguette could be with us. <laughs> you guys, I was listening. Oh, go ahead. But I'll Lisa. say, as 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 a child who grew up in the Moore era, all this age stuff never really uh, resonated with me. But I always found this particular scene to be really haunting. You have sort of sort of the operatic calling, and as a kid, you don't know where these butterflies are coming from. And I think there's something to be said here about the way that Mayday, the way that Mayday is really <laughs> presented as being like a predator in this. And, and I, I sort of wanted to, you know, when we were seeing Mayday holding the horse, it's really important to highlight the fact that, I mean, I find her, I find Grace Jones in a general sense to just be mesmerizing. Uh, and I feel as though she's a scene stealer. You can't look at her and not just be captivated. But at the same time, there are some limitations with her negative portrayal, there are some racist stereotypes that are um, uh, being evoked here. You know, the fact that they might be suggesting that she's much like the horses, that she too has been genetically altered. Um, and so there's always this emphasis on her body and her muscularity. And so as much as I'm probably going to talk about the positive things that I like about her her character in this, I just wanted to also highlight and sort of throw out there that there are some limitations. And as a child, Ooh. I found this entire thing like horrific um, and what a <laughs> um, way to die by butterfly. Yeah, uh, the, the, butter, the butterfly idea was it was another thing where it was an idea they had for a previous movie and they couldn't yeah. work it in but they you know put it in the they, treasure they chest shot a lot of tests for that sequence too if you watch the extras um mm, this does feel fairly crammed into this movie though yeah no idea it, why it, it, it's one of those rare <laughs> rare instances or are they so rare of um, performing arts in the bond movies uh, well, is it, has anyone yeah. in real life ever experienced any kind of performance art like remotely similar to that i've never well, known I, the have you even flying had dinner at the eiffel tower movies. calvin i mean uh, no i can't say i have actually twice twice yeah. night <laughs> yeah if i if i have calvin i would i must have been so blitzed i don't remember it <laughs> but I, I did have an, I did have an idea for a video for you, Cam, which is top performing arts in the Bond movies. Oh, I'm stealing that. I'm doing Tosca. You got the mimes in Goldeneye. Harlem is quite, mm. quite a few. Yeah, that um, band in uh, Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, I, yeah. I had a I had a long conversation with somebody who swore blind that they'd been into that restaurant at the top of the uh, Eiffel Tower, and I'm like, well, th there is a restaurant there, but it's not that. And they went, no, no, I went there as a kid, and I remember it vividly, and I'm like. 
it, that, that is a set by Peter Lamont. And they're like, no, 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 it's exactly like that. So went, okay. <laughs> Look carefully, you can see the plinth that she jumps on. Uh, carefully. <laughs> Carefully, yeah. Eagle-eyed viewers. <laughs> well, some of us are as old well, as I'm the assu- I'm, assuming, so. I'm assuming you guys are already half drunk, so that's uh, <laughs> Wait. I'm not drunk, how dare you? I'm completely drunk. Here's Ma- here's, and here's Martin Grace. Hey. I think we could have said hey. here's Martin Grace for like every other shot <laughs> the last couple of minutes. It's the back right. of a head. It's, and uh, then, uh, yeah, and then he, and- I mean, he just only ran up some stairs and I think it was him. Oh, he's if you weren't offended if you weren't offended by the previous French stereotype <laughs> this taxi driver drinking wine on his lunch break hold, hold oh. my cup of red wine this man I've got uh, I've, I've got a picture. Uh, I took a pi- I have a picture of me with uh, Remy and Julian. Oh. Um, such a such a nice guy. He was uh, well into his I think eighties when um when I met him. Um, but yeah, what a, what a great guy. All these stunts are incredible. Yeah, really. but I hate uh, this I mean, sequence I hate- so much. <laughs> I know I hate it as well. It's awful. But but you you, you it's not you, if you watch this next to like Born Identity. Like, which is a similar <laughs> Parisian, like, like chase. Yeah, and, and, yeah, like, it's like a proper kind of car chase. This is just so ridiculous and stupid. Uh, um, BJ, I wonder, what, I wonder what Renault felt about, like, the world seeing that the back half of their cars just pop off. If you hit them <laughs> yeah, well, it's probably realistic, it's though, a isn't feature, it? It's not a bug. Probably the same thing Ford felt when it watched its cars fell apart in uh, Diamonds Are Forever and uh, <laughs> the moon buggy chase. That's got to be a kind of a, a part of all these product placement discussions. Like, how bad are you going to make us look? You know what I mean? I actually kind of wondered if Casino Royale cut that Omega knuckle duster thing out because Omega didn't want. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm yes. pretty sure. Uh, I'm sure that's the case. Phil, and I yeah. don't know if we mentioned it on the Casino Royale watch along. I don't think we did, but. Aston Martin were pissed when they found out that they rolled the Aston Martin with an air cannon because they thought people would think their cars were unsafe. Yeah, it's a world record. We love the shot. Yeah, they threatened to pull the car from their PR. Slap the face, Grace. Grace, slap the face. Um, well, we, we, we did talk about it at some point. I don't. I'm not sure if it was on the watch along, but we we have talked about that at some stage. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they do get sensitive. So we've just had a cut scene. Where Bond gets uh, released from from jail by M, and yeah. we see a lot of gadgets, uh, which is a fairly unnecessary thing because there were gadgets that weren't going to be used and had been used in a previous film. So, um, including Red Grant's uh, Garat watch, <laughs> <laughs> except it was a Bond. Seiko this time. Bond Bond still carrying it around with him meant a lot yeah, to him. Exactly. <laughs> still thinks around. about Red Grant from time to time, you know. Bill and eBay. Uh, this is Drax's castle that's been moved back from California brick by brick. <laughs> yeah, after the dismantling of Drax Industries <laughs> and the liquid, liquidation sale of his chateau. <laughs> and yeah, which is, yeah, he got it on, on the villain's eBay again. Um, so, so it just went straight onto villain's eBay. Albert R. Broccoli's Rolls Royce uh, being driven around as well. Yeah. Oh, let's uh, oh, let's let's just uh, mention Mark's uh, grandfather, uh, who who uh, was the the driver of this this vehicle. Um, mm-hmm. Oh wow! And 
and hence played into uh, Mark's excellent book, Catching Bullets, um, which I thoroughly recommend and everyone should read. I'm just, I'm not getting any commission for that. Mm. <laughs> um, no, Mark knows his stuff. But, yeah, Mark knows his stuff, but he grew. He basically grew up with it because he's 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 basically part of the Bond family because of that. Yeah. Um, That's great. And so and so, it's nice to see uh, Cub One being also used in in the movie. It's a it's a nice little touch. I, I, I'll second the um, recommendation for the book. It, it, it's very very funny, and uh, it's it's uh, it, it's a great read. Really mm. enjoyed it. I'll, I'll third that as well completely. Yeah. So yeah. this this is an underused henchman, Scarpine. I think. Yeah, I, it's such a shame. I do like him. It just. I wonder what has... happened when they talked about his characters. Like, he's going to call Scarpine. All right, so we'll give him a scar. All right, check. Yeah. Um, what, 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 are we, what are we doing about the peen? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we have a Dr. Carl Mortner here as well, speaking of uh, underused henchmen. I guess he's a qualified Speaking of peens. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, speaking of like European stereotypes. Yeah, <laughs> the Nazi war criminal. Yeah, it's the monocle. We, we, we have like Bond usually is the person who's been doing some spying, right? In the movie, right. like he is the spy, and then we're getting a horse trainer to do some of the some of the spying action in this movie, whilst Bond just kind of stares at a horse. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like he gets rather close to that horse. It's quite weird. It's like. Hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. So what do you what do you all think about the horse aspect? I have a my best friend actually um, um, uh, owns race horses, so I've learned a lot over the years about you know breeding race horses. Mm-hmm. So this actually resonates a little bit differently with me watching it after that knowledge. But I'm just wondering, you know, animals don't necessarily factor too much in the Bond franchise. Maybe there's a shark or a shark pool, but this is really about horse racing and and genetically altering uh, these animals. Any thoughts on that? I hate it. Yeah, I hate. Uh, I hate. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I hate horses. Really <laughs> I don't like horses in general, so I, I don't no. like them as a plot point. <laughs> I, I come from a horse horse family. Um, my um, aunt's a dressage judge. Uh, my my mum's a, a rider. Uh, my grandfather's a horse trader. Um, so I come from a, a very horsey family. Um, however, I don't like. Uh, Horse racing, I think it's it's relatively well. It is cruel to the animals, um, and I I'm not super super fun. Uh, I, I don't think it's super fun to kind of like to, uh, to have a kind of genetic element to this. Also, kind of like the way in which it's kind of shown, kind of makes the it makes it look like the horses aren't enjoying that. You know, it's all that it, it's it kind of, it, it's like um, it, it it ties into the whole idea that that Zorin is. Genet- not just genetically kind of engineered, but the way that the Nazis did kind of experiments right. on on people, and they're doing the same sort of experimentation on on horses, and it's and it's purely financial. There's nothing, you know. What right. I mean, he's why, what's his motivation here? Really, it's not world domination well, or anything. It's just sure. to get a bit of money. Yep, I, like, that's my problem with this. If this is basically Drax from the novel Moonraker, right? But it, what if instead of cheating at bridge bond now spends an hour of the movie trying to figure out how he's cheating at bridge <laughs> um yeah, right. yeah like this is not really the plot proper this is this is this is working his way into like uh you know um Zorin's, yeah it's an excuse. It, it, 
and, and we've seen it, it, Phil. We've seen it, it, him infiltrate places in ten seconds before. You know, right. we're, yeah. we're giving quite a substantial amount of the film to to this infiltration, um, and and really a kind of a secondary kind of B story rather than the main A story. Um, while we get back to it, does anybody want to volunteer to explain the pun, Jenny Flex? Well, oh. That's a kneeling thing in Catholicism, isn't it? Or no. It's something to do with kneeling. Uh, Genuflect. Yeah. 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 Uh, It's one of the worst (laughs) Bond girl puns. Because of a woman's kneeling, wink, wink. Yeah, exactly. Get it, fellas? But I will have to say that that the trio of women who are presented here, this is something that I wanted to see developed more, to see Mayday, who has a strong friendship Mm. with these two women. And the reason why Mayday gets pissed off at the end is not just because Zoran betrays her, spoiler alert, but because her her friends die. Um, And so I think Mm. that's something that I would just like to see just a little bit more development or the three of them working in concert together to show that Zoran is surrounded by like this network of hench women. Um, Mm. It's an interesting. I I agree, Lisa. It's 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 it's, yeah. It's you know her her kind of cry of Jenny at the end. You know she really you she really feels it, and um, you know they're kind of. I mean, while Scarpine is an underused kind of henchman, they are almost unseen in a way. Yeah, I'm not sure I noticed that it was the same women in the two halves of the movie because they're so kind of underdeveloped, you know, at the end. Um, But to Lisa's earlier point, if we could jump back for a second to to uh, Mayday and her development. And you just reminded me, Ben, when she when she has that moment at the end, it's almost too late to make her human because she's just been this sort of this othered object for Mm. two hours. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And as much as it's cool that it's this badass and and Grace Jones, you know, is is an icon and she's amazing. But she's she's treated here as just this just this uh, exotic thing that is to be sort of like smirked at, admired, uh, eyebrow raised when she goes to bed with Bond. It's she's never really given a chance to be a, a person. I mean, not that odd job was right, but uh, you know, right. this is, this is 20 some odd years later. Maybe, maybe, maybe that excuse doesn't maybe, apply. Maybe, maybe if Goldfinger had killed odd jobs cats, he would have, <laughs> <It's>, um, <laughs> we'd have had some character development. Really, really great point. And it's something when I do teach this film, I, I, I talk about the humanizing moment and I think it's, it's, you know, there's this trope out there. We see it now with like young girls, the silent but deadly girl. And so we're supposed to fear them mm. because we don't know who they are, what they're doing. And Mayday, in many ways, if you sort of pull in some stereotypes, she's somebody that is masculine and feminine, hard, soft. Uh, we fear her. And yet Bond is also attracted to her. Um, and so we just don't know about her. And she does have that moment of, of showcasing why she does what she does. But I think it is a question of, is it too little too late? Mm. Um for her at that moment for us to really sort of uh, get a better sense of who she is. If that happened a little bit earlier and the two work together rather than just in that one moment, mm. uh, maybe I think it would have maybe a little bit more punch. Yeah. Mm. Every time, every time I see Roger adjust his glasses, I think of your YouTube review thumbnail, Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> the worst bond gadgets. <laughs> um, improved specs. <laughs> They do an interesting sort of spin on Mayday in the second John Wick film. I don't know if you've seen it, Lisa, but Ruby Rose plays this sort of mute hitman. Mm-hmm. And she's really good in it. Uh, that's worth checking out to sort of see maybe like another way this could have gone in terms of giving giving a character who's kind of <clears throat> by nature two-dimensional uh, an arc nevertheless. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's but uh, interesting. I, 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 I was around in, in the mid '80s, and I, I, I remember Grace Jones quite well. And but the the thing that strikes me that is about Mayday is that Mayday is just uh, Grace Jones' stage persona. That the, there's yeah. she, she's not she's not playing a role here at all. Uh, they said, right, we're going to have Grace Jones, and Grace Jones is going to play Grace Jones. Simple as that. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, she's a bigger she presence in the marketing than than say Tanya Roberts is for sure. She's on all the posters and all the artwork. Yeah, and she's presented very much like Zulu from Conan the Destroyer mm-hmm. um, in terms of her. And I think you bring a really good point. Can we just talk about the poster for this? Because mm. you know Bond is supposed to be set up here against Zoran, and and he's the arch villain, and yet these posters have her dressed in sort of like some sort of workout gear. Her Body's on display. He's fully clothed, and it's the question: Has Bond met his match? And the film doesn't actually portray that, right? The film doesn't set up a scenario where the two of them actually fight. Because let's be honest: Bond versus Mayday fighting, his judo <laughs> chop is not going to, you know, do a dent on somebody who's a trained mm. fighter. And so, mm. I think that poster is very interesting. And I've seen parallels of that poster with No Time to Die with Lashana Lynch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I sort of question then what is their coding? Is it because they're both black women? Are they trying to draw comparisons? Um, I'm not really sure what to make of it till we see the film in 2027. Uh, but I think that's <laughs> 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 my mind. Um, to, by the to way, your point about that coding, Lisa, I mean, uh, Kari Fukunaga, of course, would have this would have been like peak 80s for him as a kid, right? Yeah. So I think there's an awful lot of we'll, we'll see an awful lot of iconography from this film in No Time to Die. Um, by the way, we we just we just met the oil guy who's in cahoots with Zorin. Now that actor was also in Never Say Never Again. Now supposedly at Eons, like if you worked on Never Say Never Again, it's like you're on the you're on the blacklist shit list. But yeah, uh, but that didn't stop him from bringing Vic Armstrong. I know, but it's just interesting. Mm. I mean, this is just two years after Never Say Never Again. Mm. So maybe the casting department didn't get the memo. Or, there wasn't too many Texans available for work in Pinewood. Probably, <laughs> probably not. Uh, it's interesting too. You see a lot of gadgets being used here. The, usually the idea is that you get a scene with Q and you get a setup of the gadgets. Um, That's true. But, but he doesn't get any of the, all of these, all of the things that he's using are just kind of like, we just assume that, oh, okay, that's a ring, that's a camera. Oh, oh, that's a checkbook, photocopier thing, whatever that is. Um, I do remember first watching this and wondering how, like, when Bond was going to bring out the robot dog to sort of, like, snoop around <laughs> Zorin's chateau and it just never happened. Well, never happened. well that was a scene scripted uh, planned for the oil rig uh, oh. investigation. No way, really? <laughs> Which they didn't film for budget reasons. So, oh, it, yeah. Yeah. I feel yeah. let down. With Q in a, with Q in a van. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I'm, just, I'm being serious. No, I know. It's just funny. I'm upset. <laughs> That's why Q's in California at mm. the end of the movie. Uh, uh, makes sense. With the van. Mm. I will that's say why, this. Well, this it, it's a... also why um, in Diamonds Are Forever, that's why he's in Las Vegas, because mm. he was the guy who brought the di- real diamonds. In right. the golf balls, but they didn't film that. <laughs> and he just—he was just on coincidentally on holiday, just following Bondaro. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I will say, I, I, you know, this is a really lovely location, um, and when you watch a Bond film, you want opulence, you want escapism, and considering that 
I don't know, like, and this is, I, I love San Francisco, so this is not in any way kind of to its detriment, but, you know, when you, the last half of the film is, is in San Francisco, it doesn't necessarily kind of lead to like kind of the, the same kind of connotations that we have uh, with, with, with Bond films. This is, this is opulence. This is kind of all the things that you, you, you want a Bond film to kind of be really, um, parties that you're never going to get into yeah. <laughs> do, do you know do you know it's, ben it's, it's probably tilted the other way around now <laughs> I, I was going to say that uh i reckon that this would feel much more bond like to me if it was shot at nine mm. yes and, you know and the chateau lit up and all all these guests mm. and stuff and that, that uh that i think would would work much better for me yeah that's true I really think the timing movie. is also part of it, you know, where, where I forgive Thunderball all day for being a hangout movie and just you're getting sissy scenery and whatnot. I think by the 80s, our, uh, our attention spans are getting a little twitchy and we're wanting to speed things up a little bit more. And um, so that this one is so leisurely paced, maybe sticks out a little more than it would otherwise. <laughs> it's very, yeah, no, you're, you're right, Phil. It, it definitely takes its time, doesn't it? Yeah, we need, we, need a tracking, we need a tracking shot of Tibbet going from the stable to the door. <laughs> that's, that's why this is the longest Roger movie. Yeah. I, I think it's also oh. kind of like, let's look at the schedule. How long can we stay in France for at the Chateau? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a real tail wagging yeah. the dog there, isn't there? Yeah. You're having fun. Well, I mean, that's yeah. the story of the Bond movies forever, isn't it? Where the director yeah. or the whatever wanted, I mean, that's why Live and Let Die boat chases in there is because they wanted to hang out down there for weeks. I, like, I really like Tibbet so much. The fact that he's doing all of this investigation, you know, he's he's kind of he's not Bond, but he's he's kind of the, the Bond that we would be if we were doing this, right? Like Bond comes along, and goes, <laughs> yeah, oh, he's the audience the avatar. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, exactly. And I and I and I love that about him. And there there is a real sense of kind of camaraderie between them. There's, you know, we don't know how how well they know one another. They just met at Ascot, right? Yep. So, but they have this great sense of friendship already. And it's one of the things that I think, you know, really elevates this, this kind of, I'm, this whole sequence of it. I'm not so sure about the friendship though. It seemed like Bond was like getting the best of Tibbet with that cover. It was like kind of being yeah, sort but, of nasty to him for a bit. But, he never but, has him fetch his shoes though. No, he doesn't. <laughs> answer the fetch his shoes. But Bill, yeah. it, but, Bill, it's kind of I, – I get like if you were – like if you were really old friends with somebody and you were on a mission and you were doing that, you would kind of be like, you, you son of a bitch. Like, what? oh, I know, this is, I know this is all part of the cover, but god damn you. I'm going to get you back for this later. You and, know what? I, I, I attribute that more to the actors than I do to yeah. the, any kind of character development because obviously in real life, they knew each other. I mean the Saint film. Yeah, sure. Know nearby with the the avengers and all that so i think the dynamic is a little weird for us because normally that role that tibbet role it's it's a someone who is from another culture or another uh country or another race agency and this time it's just basically bond in 10 years like he's just hanging out with his future (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, retired bond except he's not in jamaica yeah i might get into horse breeding um No, it's it is nice, and I I think they they both come from a, you know, from the Saint and from the Avengers. There's a kind of like that history that they both kind of share. Um, so it's that it's nice that they have this kind of screen time together. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why the guy the goons that are coming in seem to be um, German. I 
in my mind, they're, they're wearing... <laughs> right. They're October Fest is happening next year. They're very Bavarian, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Um, I don't know why I think that. It's just the hats, maybe. But, like, they're in they're in France. Everybody at the party, for some reason... Like, there are some people at the party who are wearing, like, like afternoon kind of dinner jackets, right? Like, the, the... But some people are dressed in proper kind of sort of 17th century kind of garb. And <laughs> right, like, powdered wigs and all. I was yeah, wondering so if like, they were hired because there are some people on boats like rowing around yeah. and I'm like, did Zorian hire these people for authenticity or are they guests? I was just like, yeah, Phil, did they, uh, sorry, Calvin, did they get like a, a separate kind of invitation? Like, you know, it's, <laughs> this is the, this is the dress code for this. And like, oh, it's the Scarlet oh, Pimpernel party. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, all right, well, you guys can come in and share that. I right. guess we can share the same grounds. Um, right. But, but yeah, <laughs> definitely, right. Pro- production, definitely. Production design, though. Um, does anybody know how they package microchips? No. Uh, sling them in a wooden crate. Sling them in a wooden crate. That'll work. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely uh, the clean like room. Sh- yeah, this is like, so this was actually, wasn't this a Renault parts factory or something that they were using? Oh, I, the I ju- God. I just love the fact that it's, like, one, it's, like, not a clean room, and it would obviously be a clean, like, in a modern, like, Craig movie, this would be sparkling white, uh, right. you know, like, <laughs> with, le- with, with lens flare. But but in this, it's kind of just beige and, beige and wood. It, um, it kind of looks like Trotter's CPU factory or something. From <laughs> Trotter's independent <laughs> CPU factory. Um, <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean it's it is it is terrible. Um, everything's like. <laughs> but they had to get older goons, didn't they? Because otherwise, yeah. yeah, it wouldn't work as a fight. And this is one of the weirder scenes in the entire series. The uh, shadow puppetry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know what this does. What this conveys? Uh, oh, we're just uh, fetishizing at this point. We're we're looking at Grace yeah. Jones kick the shit out of a guy. Oh. Like what else do you need? I think yeah. they're basically. They're, I suppose they're, they're sort of saying that they are, um, you know, physically formidable um, mm. foes rather than physically formidable foes. Uh, TM. Yeah, look uh, at that hat. Here's, here's the here's the groundskeeper checking the CPUs. <laughs> are all oh, good. why are why are they all Bavarian? Um, <laughs> it makes no sense. Um, yeah, he's got a black. Um, you know, karate, judo um, outfit. I mean, like, how does one? Why is she biting like that? That's like it's like animalistic. It's so. so is is this a mirror of the Goldfinger scene? Yeah, that. it's quite yeah. similar. Similar, isn't it? Yeah. I, I I think it implies that they have an interesting sex life together. Yeah. Yes. As we'll discuss later. Right. The same. The same. The same way that Largo has that. Uh, mirrored ceiling on the disco volante you know it's like i uh, i I would say that it's not the difference between bond doing that in goldfinger and that scene is that i I think there is you know there's there's consent differences i think despite the betrayal of yeah it's that dynamic it's like they have i think interesting sex is kind of like the answer there it's not um it's not that they are it's not that she is not consenting Mm. That's that's what that's my takeaway um, from it. I don't know what everybody else feels about that. It just no, I'm exactly the same. Uh, I, uh, actually, no, sorry. Yeah, it feels a little like role play ish because I think maybe it's helped because we know she could break him in half. Right. <laughs> 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 
But I also think it's an interesting relationship in the way that, you know, the two of them, she clearly is into Zorin. I think we can question how much he's actually into her. And then he sort of just like, is kind of like, well, run along and sleep with Bond. Yeah, he pimps her out pretty quickly. Yeah, and I think I've always sort of questioned, like they could be this really interesting villainous duo and this couple and, you know, uh, the yin to the yang and things like that. But there are these moments where there's a genuine power inequality between the two of them. And he's the one I think that's really sort of holding the, all the strings, all the cards, whatever metaphor you want to utilize. Um, and so I've always sort of, I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about their relationship. So we, I've just got to say, sorry to interrupt Lisa, but um, we, um, for those who don't know, Grace right. Jones is, is wearing a rubber strap on uh, at this point. Moore's <laughs> reaction is genuine. Um, <laughs> Um, so I always find that quite an amusing thing to uh, to remind yes. people about. In his autobiography, I seem to think I remember him saying something like about Grace Jones. He said, "If you don't have anything nice to say about someone, don't say mm, it at yeah. all." And I seem to remember yeah. him complaining about her tr- playing music really loudly yeah. in her trailer with her entourage and being very disruptive. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny is after he died, and we got AJ and Matthew Field to do the book for us on. Um, interviewing every screen uh every person he worked on screen with basically mm. that we could possibly get and when we collectively reached out to grace jones that was the one i was expecting not to hear back from mm. and she ended up writing the most lovely thing it was really lovely mm. that was one of the highlights of that uh, it was the first thing actually. i went to when we got the transcripts back i was like grace jones page whatever it is there it is yeah. and it was like oh wow she's Really nice. <laughs> I'm glad he's dead. I hate him making that film. <laughs> Some people are throwing roses into the into the grave, and she just throws that big strapping rubber in. <laughs> Excalibur. Got a one. Got a. It got me thinking about Dolph today, actually. Mm. Mm. Yeah, something was going on on Twitter today where suddenly someone realized that Dolph and Grace were an item and started just tweeting all these different pictures of them together at parties and posing and whatnot. Ooh. The internet is into that pairing for sure. Yeah. Uh, Do- Dolph I just wondered about the balance of their relationship given her choice of – anyway. <laughs> well, they were both, both very – well, yeah, that's interesting. Um, they were both <laughs> – I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, Dolph Lundgren is a very interesting dude. Um, degree in chemical engineering. He's not. He's not uh, the, the the kind of the dumb slab of muscle that um, he kind of portrayed himself to to be, or that the the, the, the image that was cultivated of him. Um, he's actually a very intelligent man, um, and I think um, you know interracial couples certainly in the you know the, the sort of mid eighties were weren't as kind of um mm-hmm. you know a, a, as accepted as they might have been now so it's got you know i think it's uh it's an interesting thing so so zorin's got a computer connected to the kgb database on his desk but bond's Ooh. more interested in the check that goes to stacy Sutton. yeah <laughs> and, and also there's a camera behind that mirror that um Apparently, he only uses to kind of do identity checks with. Um, doesn't go. Oh, he broke in and 
into right. my office earlier <laughs> and stole something from my desk. But we can only find out that he's actually done something bad by because like one of the one of the vials has moved in the fridge. But you've got him on. But you've got him on camera. <laughs> oh, but the, yeah. Well, anyway. mm. Hey, you're the one who loves this movie, Ben. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do love this, and I, I, I actually, you know, I know that we, we're about to say a, a fond farewell to Tibbet, but I do really love the whole kind of like he's been waxing that car, and then yeah. bong, bong, bongus, you know, so you have to go get the car washed, and that just that designed kind of like throwing the bucket at the side. It's just, it's really nice. Um, I wish they'd had. I know that Phil, you made a really good point. You know, this is this is kind of extended longer than it needs to be. Um, but it means that we do have that relationship between um, Bond and Tibbet that little that for that amount of time. And sure. whilst there's a little an element of me that's like, yeah, let's just get this moving, shall we? There's another element which is like, it's it's sad to see uh, um, that that end of that relationship. There. Yeah, well, I, I think all of our favorite Bond movies tend to like coast pretty far on our uh, affection ratio, right? Well, how much affection we have for what's happening on the screen. And I think we, before we hit record, we started talking about how some of these movies have kind of turned around in in the in fandom and View to a Kill is one of them that was derided mm-hmm. for a lot of time, as was Moonraker, and in recent years has gotten a, lot, a little more of a, a reconsideration. And I think maybe you have to chalk some of that up to Roger Moore passing away and people realizing mm-hmm. that these, these resources, if you want to call them that, are finite. And you know, when when they pass, it's kind of thrown into relief the how much we did enjoy them and maybe didn't realize at the time because we did, took it for granted a little bit. Hmm. And, and and a lot of people went and rewatched them. Right, right. we like, were talking about um, that yeah. rather than yeah. throwing a knee jerk memory out of a half remembered yeah. film. They they sat and watched them again and, and suddenly found new things to appreciate in them. Myself included. I you know I I never rated this movie that highly, but I watched it two weeks ago and here I am watching it again. <laughs> um, That's dedication. Of, uh, tri- You're welcome. Yeah, it is. <laughs> just a piece of trivia uh, talking about Jenny Flex. Um, so she has been in a film with Roger Moore, um, uh, Sean Connery, um, and Pierce Brosnan. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe she shouldn't yeah. be living here. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, that's that's uh, just the delivery of that line is just quite wonderful. But um, it, there are there are I think there are a few act- actors or actresses or however you want to say it, who who can kind of claim that um, you know that the triple, play. Kind of, the triple play bond connection. So it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I think I think she was something like eighteen years old, just turned nineteen mm-hmm. when she got <gasps> this. So she's extreme, and he's really? fifty-seven. Yeah, yeah. Good so, uh, yeah. There's, um, there's, yeah, there's a, there's a trend to for casting super young actresses in the later more movies uh, for the kind of periphery, periphery characters. It's an odd yeah. choice because it just makes him look older. Instead of picking yeah. like a cool thirty-something yeah. character actress who smoked, you know, she kind of level that off a little bit. Uh, no, here's here's Lynn Holly Johnson, <laughs> and the eighteen year old. But it's also something that really makes its way when we talk about the characterization of Stacy Sutton, and you know the fact that he's going to be in her home and her childhood bedroom. And mm-hmm. I always got like sort of the dad daughter vibe until the mm-hmm. end, and when it's romantic and they're in the shower together, I'm like, oh. Okay, because I didn't like. I'm just. I'm not necessarily seeing. And I think there's something to be said. Then it's okay. 
No, but it, it's okay that men age. I think that that's a natural part. But you want to know what? So do women. And women are beautiful in their 30s, in their 40s, in their 50s. And it would be lovely to see one that compliments, you know, Roger Moore where he is in terms of his his age. And well, that's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's what they got right with Octopussy, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Got it right there. And then, you know... Went back they to the just old knew playbook. that that particular section of fence was going to be the bit where he was going to need to be. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the real um, missed so- opportunity with Paris Carver. You guys are talking about that on a watch along. Sorry, I've been yeah. listening to all your watch alongs lately, um, <laughs> so I have I have notes. Uh, the, <laughs> you, you talked about how how she the idea of an ex Bond girl coming back was kind of a missed opportunity, and that's mm. you know you could have had a very mature Bond gal in that role that would have made a lot of sense for Jonathan Price yeah. certainly. Uh, mm. Instead of Terry Hatcher in her prime, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Prime, quote unquote. Um, I would have liked to have seen a supercut between this and the Moonraker chase through the woods with Corinne DeFore. The dog. She's running and Bond's chasing her with a horse. And she's running. <laughs> you know what to do this weekend then, Ben. <laughs> we're, we're expecting I, it. Next Friday. I'm so te- I'm an ideas guy. I don't do the tech stuff. <laughs> Calvin, you're up. I am actually coming up to my Moonraker review, so I, I think that uh, I might steal that, actually, Ben. <laughs> I would love to see it. Making uh, oh, a note Scarpin, now. Scarpin actually doing something um, yeah. for once, earning his earning his pay. Um, and, and oh, yeah, in, in, uh, uh, we've, I forgot to mention the... Um, the girl at the start of Octopussy, with, who drives the jeep, was like sixteen or something. Oh, good oh, seventeen. Yeah, seventeen. I didn't realize well, it. Manuela. He sees oh, it. He kisses sees her. you in Miami. Yeah. Uh, see you in Miami. Um, so I've got uh, a note from your parents to get on the plane because. Uh, yeah. <laughs> didn't yeah. see you. See you in Miami, just ahead of the Vice Squad. <laughs> 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 so did they not um did they not debunk this on mythbusters yes um, they debunked it, it it's, yeah. it's it's that is not it's oxygen slightly, it's slightly feasible but highly implausible i think is, <laughs> is what they came up with. they couldn't oh, completely debunk it because you can actually take the air in but you have to practice it so much that it wouldn't you couldn't pull it off first time well Bond he's said, a great Okay. Yeah. So there's a cut scene coming up where he crawls out of the lake totally right. bedraggled I wish we had like that duckweed and everything and <laughs> like, like, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, duckweed is such a great name I think we should uh, we should do that that's the next uh, you know when, when Fleming's trying to come up with the next Bond's name like when he's sitting there Duckweed. John Duckweed. <laughs> it's a really great shot with Bond in the water looking mm-hmm. up at Made. How did they accomplish that? Was that just done in camera? No. Yeah, it's like a, basically they put a bucket of uh, right, um, a bucket of water over the. Like it's a bucket, Calvin. It's a bucket with a hole in the bottom, right? With a glass <laughs> on, right? And they they film the camera up through that bucket. Yeah. But they must be in the water because Bond and the car are in the immediate foreground, and then there's the water, and then there's 
the villains. Well, if you don't, if you don't want to accept the way that they did it, I'm tell you how they did it. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just complimenting it. Let me compliment it. I've not been very complimentary so far. <laughs> and just mistook it as a criticism. You're like, no, really, it's good. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren looks great. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Two, two point coming. It would be it would be cheaper to do it as a POV shot, but they didn't. Yeah. Right. Mm. So, yeah. 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 That's where the, that's where the budget went. Was that? Yeah. <laughs> from the from Binder's budget. They <laughs> <laughs> mm. spent it on a now, bucket. Now Dolph, look look confused. Dolph, look look <laughs> exasperated. Dolph, right. Blink a, blink a couple of times, Dolph. <laughs> stop, look, stop looking at the camera, though. Honestly, I never noticed him. I mean, I'm just, I think I'm just so focused on Gogol and the fact that, you know, he's back again and, you know, there's a relationship. I just barely even knew that Dolph was in the background. Yeah. No, I notice him more when he goes after the guy who falls. It's yeah. interesting that they chose they chose that guy to, to be the one that Grace kind of like lifts up and like rather than rather than Dolph. Because mm. um, you know that would be, I guess, more impressive, or at least cast another KGB agent who was kind of a similar build and stature to Dolph, you know. But mm. anyway. and she did um, it in heels. Just wanted to throw that out. There. <laughs> like I'm just saying, like, gosh, woman. Woof. And now we're making Goldfinger. Right. Yeah. Now, now the plot but, starts. Yeah. But. The actual plot of how he's going to do it is not revealed until the very final part of the movie. Mm. Unlike Goldfinger, who spells it all out. Right. Yeah. Well, they want you to wait that long before anybody goes, but they don't make them in Silicon Valley. They make them in China. Yeah. <laughs> and they hand them out in beakers and throw them around because that's how you treat a processor. Yeah. But there's something really classic. I like, I like that guy pointing with his pen to the chip, like, I haven't seen one of these before. These are good. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> But there's also something really classic about this type of board scene. Like it reminds me of Blofeld and his board meetings sure. and sort of like the Connery era style um, uh, where, where you know, you have like a model come out and people are sort of talking. But I also like, I wouldn't think that a blimp is kind of like nefarious, <laughs> but like the way that she disposes of one of the guys, I'm just like, wow, yeah, this could really be really, a scary thing. It's really bad. Wouldn't it be Can great I, to go back in time to when you hadn't seen this and then have the have the aha, they're on a blimp moment when he falls out? Because yeah. it's spoiled <laughs> now because we know where they are, right? But yeah, that is yeah. true. Sure. There's no establishing shot. They cut straight yeah, to the boardroom. Yeah, it's a nice reveal. Oh, that's why it's so, yeah, that's why it's so good because you don't get the establishing shot, of course. Yeah, But I, I just want to point out that um, if they had to redo this scene, and I'm sure they had to do a couple of takes, it was somebody's job to crawl over that map and painstakingly pick out pick every Pick up all the chips. <laughs> so, uh, and and th there is somewhere like because you notice that he's got quite a few maps, right? Like little models built. Somewhere he's gone. Can can we get um can we get an agency to, to kind of like make yeah. main strike maps? Like phoning up the government, going, I've just been asked <laughs> to create this map of this thing that's gonna. Have I don't think it's a good idea. Um, but yeah, yeah to. In, in 1986, yeah. there's a shortage of model makers because they all got suspiciously, you know, <laughs> they, fell out, they fell out of windows. <laughs> I have to say that, to, to Lisa's point, this is properly scary. Like, I, I genuinely have, like, palpitations about this. Like, mm -hmm. when, when the, the floor comes away, it's like, oh, my God. And then it's like, yeah, fuck you, bye. Yeah, it's like anxiety. Goodbye. Goodbye. Drink. 
Oh, the body though, when it's flapping around yeah, in the wind, it's so bad. The limbs on it, it's like it's olive not, oil in Popeye. Oh god, look at that! Did you expect him to flap, Calvin? Well, yeah, he's, he's done. Because <laughs> his legs seem to have dislocated uh, from his hips in the fall yeah. for some reason. Yeah, it's really strong winds during that. It must fall. be that, yeah. Did Sorry, Lisa. Notice, I was just going to say that her sunglasses, I know the shot was leaving us, but like the sunglasses are not actually like this. The circles are like oval, but they're flipped. They're lovely, yeah, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. I've never noticed that before. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're really it, cool. It's so cool. Anyway, so I just wanted to throw that out there. Wasn't it her own design or something? I'm sure I read that mm. somewhere. Possibly, because yeah. it's not conventional. Mm. So I just want to debunk the whole. Uh, She's in it. She's not. She's in it. She is in it. Let's go to the fourth day. It's not what she told me. What'd she tell you? She said she she was she was there, but she wasn't filmed. That's what she told me. Interesting. Oh, well, I've seen screen grabs that beg to differ because Um. there's there's a description of what she was wearing on the day, and then there's a picture of her with. Walking with a guy. Uh, we'll we'll put it on Twitter later. Yes. Yeah. Oh, please do. Okay. I've never seen her. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Mark O'Connell uh, were were sitting outside during the during with her during a screening of uh, at Pinewood at a screening of Octopussy uh, because we decided that it was much much more fun to sit outside and actually talk to Maud Adams than it was to watch Octopussy. <laughs> so so we sat in the sun and just um, got got slowly drunk with Maud, um, and I, I believe that's where. Uh, where, where I, I, I was told that, but um, I, of course, could be wrong. Um, and I, I look forward to seeing your, um, we'll dig your it out. snaps. This um, is dressed as a fishmonger. This, yeah, this is another <laughs> not Felix Leiter. Right. CIA character. Because they so need to kill a, him. Tibbetts is dead, so. Yeah. So let's have a drinking game where every time Mark O'Connell is mentioned, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, that's, that's, the the that's, that's supposed the to be her. Where? Which one? With that camel-haired coat. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Mm. Okay. Okay. Am okay. I going to buy okay. a 4K okay. just to find this out? Cool, cool. I, I've got cool, the 4K version. Cool, cool. I'll crop it for you. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. <laughs> um, you were drunk with her. She doesn't know, you know, what film she was in anymore. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, well. Is that the one with Christopher Lee? Yeah. <laughs> just just a note on on Bond's casual kind of outfits in this in this film. I mean, thus far like And you give Timothy stupid. Dalton shit and license to kill, but I know, I'm yeah. sorry. I just because this is just terrible, isn't it? I mean, great Grace Wade. Oh god. Just you know, it's it not the <laughs> It's the, it's the stereotypical <laughs> fisherman. Mm. Oh, and another another deleted scene where Bond uh, joins this uh, man and a load of other fishermen um, going around protesting <laughs> going to work. Save, save, save the crabs. Yeah, we love crabs is on one of the placards. It's fantastic. It's on the the uh, the Blu-ray. It's true. It is. It's in there. Yeah. I had a video about this. I watched it. Oh my yeah. god, Calvin! I thought you were joking. That's hilarious. no, no, it's in there. And, and no, there's all these protesters. I, I remember when the movie came oh, out in the. 
when the movie That's came out in the eighties, there were stills published from that that deleted sequence. Yeah. I want a t-shirt. I want a, I want a t-shirt with Save the Crabs on it. That's oh, Zoran be... hates crabs. Which <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's so good. I wonder why. That would be, that. be um, crabs against Zoran. <laughs> <laughs> So this was supposed uh, to be Anya Massava in the first draft. Yeah. Would have been so much um, better. It well, would have been so much better. Oh, would it have tainted Anya Massava slash Barbara Beck's place I in the franchise? She might not have been able she might not have been able to deliver the lines um convincingly. <laughs> <laughs> she forgot she she'd forgotten the accent. <laughs> mm. But I think it would have it would have really sort of changed this idea that you know Bond only meets a woman and then he never encounters her again. But these hmm. women are spies; they work at various agencies. There is a likelihood that they are going to cross paths at some point. And I think this is a good um, lesson to learn for all those out there: like, don't mm-hmm. date within your circle, don't date within right. your work circle, don't date within <laughs> your friend circle, because if you break up, you have to see them again and work yeah. with them, and it becomes awkward so awkward. That's my life I, lesson I, I had six months of uh, uh, of that uh, in my last job so I, I dated somebody at my last work and then we <laughs> broke up and then and then I had to see her every day uh, it was mm. not fun so mm. the the, ex, the expression uh, I use is don't screw the crew well there's Hollywood there are 2,000 people in my building. I dated three of them, and I just I, I had to stagger my starting and leaving times so that I didn't have to. <laughs> I could avoid awkward little moments. I would hide the bathroom. I took my hat, team. So I dropped my hat. That's, that's so, it, Cal- so Calvin, you, you're basically you are the George Lazenby of. Well, Are you an inspiration too? <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't heard these stories about uh, this was supposed to be Barbara Bach. And yeah. uh, as you guys mentioned in Die Another Day, the agent that he meets was going to be uh, Michelle Yeoh. Wait, yeah, 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 that's right. And so they're finally getting around to this in No Time to Die with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when he, like in the trailer, when he right. rounds the corner and runs into his ex. Yeah. Um, and one of the ideas for the spy who loved me was Tatiana Romanova would have come back yeah. as, a, as an agent. That's so, um, so cool. Before we move, move on, the, the pump room is actually the power plant at Pinewood. And all they did was put a sticker on it that said intake pressure. Some dead <laughs> it's, it's not even a set. <laughs> That's so funny. Peter Lamont going, um, yep, yeah, we'll just put that sticker no, there. It's, and I'll get, it's I'll budget, for budget reasons, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Um, just just need half a million to do this set. This is really a quite a tense. um, Yeah, half a million. He puts budget (laughs) readers. He saves four hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred (laughs) ninety-six pounds. This 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 whole sequence where um, Bond is trying to escape from that intake pipe is actually pretty pretty scary, and and we spent it talking about our exes at work. (laughs) <laughs> Which um, right. I think is, you know, testament to just how uh, how drunk we all are. Um, so K- KGB guy yesterday gets thrown around by Mayday today. He's about to get limpet mind. Oh, it's the same dude. I'd never, I'd never noticed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. they should have. He's having uh, a bad week. He is having a bad week. I guess Dolph Lundgren gets promoted. 
<laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, Dolph's like, oh, terribly bad news. I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> Boris I was good swim. man. Boris was good man. I would have joined, <laughs> but I cannot swim. Um, I was doing my uh, degree in, in chemical engineering. Oh, there he goes. In fast motion jip, there. Jip, 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 jip. Yeah, uh, but the sound of it and everything is kind of like it's oh, it's nasty, isn't it? Punk. Um, nice bit of cinematography. The only the only sure. nice bit of cinematography in the movie. Oh. <laughs> someone someone put a lens on something. Get your walkman out. Oh. Is yeah. Susie and the Banshees. Yeah. <laughs> Susan the Banshee's cool, yeah, definitely. Well done, Ben. I would love if they'd done an insert shot of that. Her reaction is. Or had Susie and the Banshee's in. It was Susie, Sue in the film. That would have been yeah. good. I would, I would yeah, definitely yeah. have loved the film then. That awful, awful Corvette. Yeah. Um, yeah. California. Look at it. Isn't it great? Um, <laughs> so this is the not Walter Goggle in the car scene, oh, isn't it? Yeah. He looks more like he looks more like um, Pushkin's heavy from the Lights <laughs> than Walter Goggle. You see his face like really clearly in a bit. They're just making no attempt to like Roger Moore's doubles earlier on. There's just no attempt to cover these things up in this. What's he done with his hair as well? How dare you fight before me? Oh, I'm sorry, baby. I didn't realize it was good. <laughs> Speaking of doubles, we've got it coming up later at the at Stacy's house when they shot with extras on the outside breaking into the house, and then when they're at Pinewood doing the fight, they had to make them look like the guys they hired. Oh, so they're all wearing like really bad wigs. We'll see it coming oh. up later. Um, there's a guy on Twitter called the Tchaikovsky uh, who's written a really good book, Quantum of Sil- yeah. uh, Silliness. He blocked our account because apparently we did too many spoilers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, he, he, does a, he does a series of quite funny tweets about um, Roger doing, saying completely, uh, starting every sentence with, well, I... Uh, just do it a lot. I never considered it before, but yeah. So, it's um, his version I, 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 of the pain face. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. So, um, so that's, that's precursor the to the pain face. The drinking game for this this is obviously uh, whenever Mark Mark O'Connell is mentioned, they drink again, um, and also whenever Roger says, "Well, I." Uh, but they're very they're very hard to pick out unless you sit there and listen for them. <laughs> well, that's the idea. Pay attention. Yeah. To them. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it's like they just wash over you very easily. There's well, yeah. it, it's. Well, I uh, don't know about that. Uh, yeah. um, that was Roger Moore's stunt in this movie, was jumping into that. <laughs> and even then he grimaced, like, as, he saw, uh, as his feet made it. <laughs> 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 you know what they should have done? They should have had one of those, like, ADA tubs where you have to, like, open the side door and walk in and then close the door behind you and then fill it up after yourself. Yeah. Oh, this is the goal shot. We're at the goal. Oh, no, it's not this they one. Have the, the, dipping, the dipping chair. I have have the winch above. (laughs) Yeah, awesome. I'd have have loved that. 
Um, so what do you guys think about the sort of like, I know we've seen tapes being uh, with sort of the switch going on in Diamonds Are Forever. What do you think about this sort of scene? I mean, I've always chuckled as a child, you know, her getting into the car and sort of the look on their face when, you know, they listen to the tape. <laughs> so not it, in. <laughs> Sorry, just, I, never, I never noticed before that it's just somebody completely different. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> I've literally never, I've, how many times have I seen this film and I've never noticed it's just some <laughs> random dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, what, what do we, what do we think about the switching of the tapes? Um, yeah, it's like, it's a motif that's been used before in Diamonds of Forever. How many, how many tapes has he listened to? God, he's just Old like, James Bond's large, large note taking. Or it falls off after the question mark, which is not. <laughs> yeah, it's not grammatically correct yet. <laughs> uh, this is this. I think is the scene, the cut scene where he um, says, "Oh, fuck it, life's too short." Yeah. Right? I think it would have um, been later on. Later. I think it's at the oh, elevator. Yeah, because yeah. he he would have known Stacy at that point, so it's it would. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, you're sorry. So you're absolutely right. But oh, I guess it would have been filmed on the same day. I, um, I did like I did like John Glenn's commentary on these kind of scenes, basically saying I didn't like them, so I didn't shoot any coverage, and they yeah. got cut. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, it's just that you know, like Peter Lamont made all these sets, and it cost all this money, but fuck it, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> It was in the script, so I suppose we had to film it. But uh... a nice, a nice crappy blue floor for you there, Calvin. Yeah, um, no, it, it's it's quite crappy. Uh... Mm. And Ro- Roger, it, yeah. Roger is wearing a lovely suit here as well, though. It's camouflage. <laughs> Good point. Uh, Calvin, have you done have you done an episode on the floors of James Bond? I haven't, but I, I'm getting to that point of barrel scraping now <laughs> that it might be the next one I do. It's not barrel scraping; it's digging in deep to really that, get to the important stuff. That's deep dive, <laughs> setting the scene, uh, literally. I love it. You, you can basically go. Well, a lot of people have said a lot of people have said James Bond films are flawed. Um, <laughs> oh, oh dear! Gosh. Oh, no. So let's discuss the floors. Um, how, many, how many drinks have you had, Ben? Tim, Tim, I'm not my third. Um, First time I ever went to San Francisco, I had a rental car. I had got some groceries, and they were in a brown paper bag, just like this. I drove over the Golden Gate Bridge, and I just in my head it was I had the music playing. I, it was also it, it was also it was also subliminal. Like I didn't plan it out that way. It just happened, and I was like, oh. "If you go, if you oh, weren't, James. <laughs> <laughs> but if you weren't wearing a suit like that, then it doesn't count, James." Right? No, I was more I was more channeling Stacy at that point than I was. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the point. You can look in the mirror and go, "Oh, James." Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do like a the, shot with her opening the window and him uh, coming in from ooh. the left. It's nice. Uh, do you know this is another mm-hmm. another scene which I reckon would would have been better at night? Yeah, I think you're right. Actually, yeah. I, think, I think I think look, it's because it's because Roger Vosite was going. They had to shoot everything in front of them. <laughs> I was just gonna, I was I was going to say it's probably more like actors just didn't want to do night shoots on their schedule. They're like, ah, uh, no, I it's don't overtime. really like get. I don't really want to get up at get up at yeah exactly overtime as well. No night shoots. Um, 
but yeah, you're right, David. It would have it would have been more atmospheric at night. It's just mm. clearly there's just like yeah. I want to sleep. This, sleep. And this <laughs> is a historic house. Well, this is a set, but the the actual house is a historic house. You can go you can go book a visit. Well, you know. I was about to say that the day for night technique had probably fallen out of favor by the time this movie was made. Mm. That would have been your other option back in the day. Yeah, but not um, – that floor is awful. Look at it. It's just like a cheap – We'll see that uh, chandelier again at another day, won't we? <laughs> Laminate. Talking of, talking of, yeah, talking of floors, Calvin, that looks like a cheap IKEA laminate. Uh, <laughs> Ranking the I smell a three-part investigative video from Calvin about the floors <laughs> of Sutton Mansion. It's coming. <laughs> She's chosen. She's chosen this chintzy, awful – like she's got a rocking horse in her bedroom. Like, well, what's that? Tea- Lisa, what's that bunny rabbit teapot she had on her bedside table there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, what Lisa was saying, it's her childhood bedroom, which makes it all creepy. It makes oh, it God. so it creepy. It's so creepy. Like the fact that you would be an adult and have a rocking horse in your bedroom, and then right. this older man comes in and goes, "Hey, I can be a surrogate father for you." I can. She's like, like to ride. Shall I make you an omelet? And, oh. and, she, and, and, she has, and she has a cat food bowl that actually says "pussy" on it. Can I tell you where that came about? It's because when John Glenn or Pete Lamont, I can't remember which one it was, I think it was Pete that told us the story. When they were doing research for this movie, shock, there was research. Um, Oh, here's the guy in the bad wig, by the way. Um, That's not a bad wig. What are you talking about? They interviewed a seismologist and he was a weird guy that had like odd socks and he was just one of those kind of like kooky kind of guys. And um, he kept canaries and cats as his early warning system. Uh, so that's, uh, why canary, that's why there's canaries and a cat called Pussy. Yeah, that's, in the movie. Yeah, that's great. Huh. Yeah. I wish they would have said something about it, though. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been cool if she would have explained that? Like, that's actually yeah. like a cool thing that I would have been like, huh, so okay, geologist. I get it. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I love that. I love that now I've heard it. Yeah. Yeah. She lives in a racist plantation home. Um, <laughs> California? She's, she's, I don't know. She's, she's regressed, she regressed to some kind of you I, know, childhood. If that's, if that's her uncle's Daddy. ashes, how big was her uncle? <laughs> <laughs> the, I mean, the other thing, I, I'm glad it's her uncle's ashes and not her dad's ashes because then it's like it's it's too on the nose, isn't it? It's like, oh, I've, I'm replacing. Right. My, isn't it granddad? I thought it was yeah. a granddad, yeah. Right. Well, I know it was a big man because it's like a good 20 yeah. pounds of ashes. Maybe it's both of them. Yeah. Ashes to ashes. <laughs> so every, every parrot and every cat that's died, and so it's a granddad, a dad, a parrot. It's a <laughs> German Shepherd dog. German Shepherd dog. <laughs> <laughs> Some, a census taker, um, <laughs> <laughs> just some guy that came around to read the meter. They're all they're all in there. It'd be great if she was secretly a, a serial killer. <laughs> I'd love that. Yeah, come in, come in. I've got a kitchen in the oven. <laughs> and sooner be you in there. <laughs> Well, there's oh no God. idea the danger he is in. That's what we, need. we need a we need a, a Bond horror crossover, right? A horror <laughs> film that is also a James Bond film. 
like bonds are like oh, i've come to save today and they're like have you yeah. have you seen the basement <laughs> does the red wine go with quiche is that is that a done thing no, but we, get, we get through like we get through like half a case red wine with quiche that should have told me something <laughs> well they have like a whole quiche and a bottle of wine each we will see soon yeah i mean it's like how I, as far as, as, far as i'm concerned that's the right ratio i hate quiche <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love how how miserable David is about things. It's like I hate, <laughs> and I hate this. I hate this pre-title sequence, and I hate this song. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm having. Uh, it, 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 yeah, it's the it, it's it's the topic of the week though. Uh, not being positive. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Hey. hey, yeah, very good. I'll drink to um, that. That's, a, that's an in joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh god she's just she's uh, i mean lisa okay hi, hi. um <laughs> we 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 you know you're the you're the right person to to ask this about um female leads in in bond films um stacy sutton that's an awful so looking she, line she, isn't she, it? she just walks off in a half comes back and then they're on the opposite side of the table yeah and what they've got cheese now what happened in between <laughs> Eggs, Jeez dairy, and red wine. She's sliding down the chair. Well, you know, it's like remember way back. Remember way back in Doctor No, uh, uh, Bond and Felix were going at that one bottle of liquor pretty hard while Coral was. I think when he gets under those 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 many layers of quilts that she's got up in her childhood bedroom, you know, there's going to be some Dutch ovening going on after all of that quiche and cheese. So to answer your to answer your question about Stacy Sutton, so I, there's not going to be too much love for the character Stacy Sutton coming from me. Um, on the one hand, I love the fact that we have a smart woman. She's a geologist. She's somebody who uh, is knowledgeable, and Bond requires some of her knowledge. All that being said, I also feel as though just she lacks a lot of. Um, autonomy in this in this film and i'm mm. it's gonna sound bad i'm so happy that we as a podcast are not actually listening to the film because her screaming um in the fire sequence is like you know, <laughs> oh, on a chalk i i i, I oh, tried to grab i tried to grab some of them as a sound effect but they oh, had like mute oh. they had music in the background so it didn't work unfortunately James! and i will James! And I find that, you know, when you talk to my students, we'll talk about some of the strong uh, those women. sheets. Oh, God, I hate them. Sorry. But when we talk about, you know, some of the women who don't necessarily make the mark, I think you might be surprised that it's really a fight between, like, Stacey Sutton and Chris, Christmas Jones and, 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 and their roles in, in, in the film. So, yeah. I hate, I hate this story. Have you noticed how many, how many push-in shots there are in this film? Like, yeah. You know, you, you you go from proper kind of fade to blacks to push ins. Um, oh, that's oh, a computer. That's an Apple. There's a there's a rumor that HGTV is going to air uh, reruns of James Bond and Friends, but just edit them down to the style and furniture comments. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when the when um, when they when he farts under the under the duvet covers. Um, the, the the computer gas kind of space. The next next to the bed goes. Bing! 
but Ben, but Ben, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know if it's the same when you go to the UK. But whenever I go to the UK, I always stay in a bed and breakfast with, that's like that. <laughs> <laughs> I stayed, in, I stayed in a, a place that was almost exactly like that in upstate New York once. Um, like, same sort of style of house. And, and they were lovely people, but um, the, it was super chintzy. Um, where's, the, where, and, where's the end peel Stacey Sutton sweater? <laughs> I quite like well, that. fucking, you know, life is short. <laughs> I saw something on um, Twitter recently, actually. Uh, I, if I was it James, did you might have even posted it? Where that uh, push-in shot that we uh, saw a little while ago of Stacey Sutton's house, there was originally like a wobble in there to sort mm-hmm. of uh, as an effect for the earthquake, and we've lost that now mm-hmm. with the Blu-ray uh, sort of like just an image uh, stabilization oh, effect. Oh no, <laughs> yeah. missed that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that true? I want to believe it's true. Because yeah, I saw the clip on Twitter. I can't remember who it posted bad, it now. It could, been a bad film. could have been a bad film transfer for all we know. I mean, yeah, being the agent who helps Bond is kind of like being Dirty Harry's new partner. Your life expectancy mm. isn't right. that long. Um, Not now. Bye. See ya. See ya, David. You're see, gone. See, see you, Agent Deadmeat. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mort. Check the back of your car. If anything, like if if there's anything this film tells you, it is to it is to check the back of your car and don't trust rich and dust with us. So nobody had phones or anything, so he has to drive back to the office. To that's a yeah. nice nice Jeep though. I, I, is it a Ford? It is a Ford, but I love it. But it's also the second person that Mayday has killed. In right. this manner, the second ally that she's killed, was and I find it. Yeah, yep. wasn't it? Yes, it was yeah. 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 Oh right. Yeah. Oh, right. And, and Stacey does not go. He just drove over my lawn. Right. Just <laughs> my lawn. Yeah. Where did Where did Bond get his outfit from? Her dad's closet. Right. Oh, <laughs> he's now dressed. He's now dressed in her dad's clothes. Oh, Bond always talks <laughs> about, about that. The Roger Moore Bond always takes about six trunks of clothes with yeah. him. It's like you know, it's like lousy jackets in this one. That's a cutscene. Yeah, Yeah. Walken had that jacket on earlier, something close to it. At least you can see Bond against the wall now. (laughs) But now we lose Stacy. Now we can't see her. Yeah, that's why she yells so you can find her. (laughs) James, I'm blending you. Well, uh, Stacey, I can't see you. James, I'm right here. Well, uh, I don't know where you are. <laughs> Excellent Roger Moore impression. That's fantastic. I love that. Well, uh, thank you very much. A whole room for the cabinet, fire the cabinets, and we go straight to the right piece of paper. Yeah. There it is, Operation Mainstrike. Yeah, because, you know, if you're planning an evil plot, you've got to file your permits with City Hall. That's, That's right, you, you do, and bribe the, bribe the right people. Um, uh, oh. Yeah, it's like I, I always put I always put my important stuff in a very important place, but I can never remember what the very important place was. <laughs> you just got to have James Bond break into your house. You'll find it in two, minutes, two seconds, David. A lot of pleather going you gotta, on. Right you got to love Zorin here. He does a lot of his own dirty work in this film. Mm. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. From um, unnecessarily driving the speedboat in the beginning. Yes. I think he, enjoy, the he, he really just enjoys the gig. 
throwing off <laughs> Lana Wood into the water. Oh, no, that was Oh, Sorry. hey, oh, <laughs> Natalie Wood. Lana's still with us. Oh, that's right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, intuitive improvisation, I just denied that I was there at the time. You know, Mr. Howe's wife was always suspicious of him working late at night, but he was actually so boring, he was just actually working late at night. <laughs> 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 Hurry it up, he's got a yacht to get onto. Um I got a bad accent here. <laughs> I've seen this actor in uh, Murder One, which yeah. was a series from a while ago. He's really good in that. He's a really good actor. I, what's but, uh, uh, not, what's not here. He's got dubious taste in uh, in artwork. That's all I can say. <laughs> His um, chest hair is bursting out of his shirt as well. Like, it's yeah, really popping doesn't out. doesn't deflect the bullet, though, does it? No, no, it does not. Stop. <laughs> Gosh. I... Dead. Bye. Walter PPK. Very violent, this film. Like, just with the squibs and everything, like, you know, the... Yeah. Uh, and we'll, we'll obviously well, get and, to yeah, the worst offender later on. that to the world is not enough where people get shot up and it was just dust flying off them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just... Mm. I wonder how much of the stage direction was just do what you did in that other movie, Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, like... So. I think we're lucky that he got cast in this part. This is like this is a pretty textbook case of like an actor bringing so much more to a character yeah. than what is on the page. I think. Like, oh I don't my know god! If, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like if you looked at this on the like, take these lines, give it to any other actor, and you don't have this much no, uh, personality. No, no, not, not at all. I I, I think he is uh, an absolute. It's one of my favorite villains. He's mm, an absolute yeah. asset to the franchise. Um, as you say, Calvin, he. He does so much more with what he's given. Um, you, know, you know there was a meeting where he was like, what if I dance? <laughs> <laughs> Into the fire. <laughs> oh. Yes. oh, oh rum, rum. No, didn't do that. That was Bacardi. <laughs> it was, no, I don't drink Bacardi this, so uh, it's all right. He is dying sponsor. to tap dance on those marble floors, and you know it. <laughs> Burn Bacardi like it's your birthday. Um, yeah, that's it's, Perrier, it's, which is just oh, a, a oh, crazy. It's, uh, it's Perrier. Oh, we can't take your money for this one, Perrier. Why not? Well, your product needs to be flammable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. It goes straight like a, a lift does not. It can't tilt. <laughs> and, it, and also, it cannot fall if the cable's cut. No, it can't. It's got like... Because by default, the brakes are, by default, the brakes are on. Yeah, and it's they have like, to be disabled for, the, for it to work. So if the power goes and the cable cuts, the lift is stuck. This is one of the big myths about lifts. They're actually an, invention, safe, an, in, safe. an invention by a woman of color. Just not the way I put that Yeah, that's true too. Um, yeah, it, it's basically like lifts, lifts do not fall. Um, it's a that's a ridiculous kind of like uh, I mean, it's great for movies and stuff, but like they cannot they also cannot tilt within that shaft. It's like it's but then, right, but then fall perfectly. Well, straight. They, 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 they can they can tilt if the whole building does. Hmm. Well, I suppose so. Yes, but yeah, so that's yeah. Not what so, so, ba- so basically, 
You're talking bullshit, Ben. <laughs> uh, well, we're all technically in freefall, David. So who wants, to do the cut the movie? Who, who wants to do the cut where Bond just leaves the building at this point? Cut to the wide shot of City Hall, and you can hear. That. <laughs> <laughs> I'm badly burnt. Badly burnt. <laughs> <laughs> James, I'm okay, but I'm very badly burnt. I love is the bit where you know when he when they they have the, the scene of him climbing down the the, the fireman's ladder with Stacey, the, the the doll of Stacy on his back. Um, the music is so disproportionately mm-hmm. like heroic, um, dramatic, yeah. heroic and dramatic. It's like and it's like he's just climbing. It's an old man. He's fifty-eight. Down a well, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> And he's taking it a step at a time. Too. Yeah, but <laughs> that music is like, the feet on a curve. Wall- okay, James, you can do it. Ba, 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 ah, ah. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm going to defend that music. This is probably one of my favorite pieces of Bond music. And what it does is it takes a mundane scene of Bond literally just going down a ladder and carrying a human being doing so is probably not a Well, a, a model of a human being. Like a like a like a mannequin of a human sure. being. But like in, then, the, <laughs> in the world of the film, it's supposed to be her. And what the the music does is that it it codes it as being like it makes I guess heroic. Like, yeah, yeah, unnecessarily heroic. Like he's climbing down mm-hmm. a ladder now. And it's almost sixty. He's <laughs> yeah. being scored on a curve, I think. Yeah. I, look, okay, Lisa, I get your point. If they didn't put the music in there, it'd just be like, and there he is, slowly, slowly. There's no music from climbing up these ladders. <laughs> like, if you had a shot of him climbing up those stairs right now, he's going through some smoke and opening a door. Oh, look, this uh, Victor, Victor is. Uh, spirit of Victor. Spirit, spirit of Victor. From the, yeah, the, a couple of the previous Roger Moore ones, three of them. Yeah. yeah, look, he's definitely the spirit of Victor. They should definitely have put him back. Maybe he died of alcohol poisoning at that point. But oh my god, oh god! I, I, do you know what? That was such a a scary moment. My throat was uh, my my heart was in my throat. Yeah, clap, clap! He's climbing. He's climbing down a ladder. Clap. Well done. What a strange yeah, creative maybe. decision! Like to, yeah, I can't imagine so... that was in the script. That must have been someone on the set being like, "You know what? We need the everyman observer of yeah. this scene." <laughs> so, so the, the building's on fire. Meanwhile, the cops have gone in, found the body, and brought him out in the time it took Roger yeah, to get down the ladder. He's climbed down a ladder, and people have applauded it. You know, so, it when I watch this, it reminds me of Ghostbusters, where they sort of have like the city come out and people watching and clapping. Like I feel Yay. as though there's a lot yeah. of like references to what else was going on in like American film at the time, and so yeah. maybe that's why. Die the- hard as well. Yeah, so maybe yeah. that's the component here. But I will say something I don't like about this film is the. I'm cool with him walking down the ladder in a heroic music. Let's end there, but I don't. I'm not really a fan of the chase sequence that follows. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just not yeah. my. Not my I'm with you completely. Sequence. Yeah. Yeah. This is this next bit's completely unnecessary, but it's like a callback to kind of diamonds and uh, live and let die and 
Yeah, it's we have crazy. our second best uh, American sheriff of the whole series. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's he's below Sheriff Pepper, but above the one from Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah, fuck twelve. Right. And I'm Dick Tracy, and you're still under arrest. Yeah. No, it's a good. It's a, I like the way he uses the fire truck to dispatch that guy. It's pretty pretty cool. Oh no, it's unlocked. Oh no. Um, Chekhov's fire ladder. <laughs> That's so good, Phil. I just I'm gonna. Um, cool. Yeah. It's it's so weird. Rap all you want for an hour of this movie. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm, I'm going to think about a week from now and laugh like just as much. Yeah, I'm, so am I. I'm just going to be like, check off fire ladder. Um, <laughs> I also find it really strange that they've got like these two little kind of control cabs that they kind of yeah. like, like, okay, you go and sit in. It's, I'm going to tune out for this basically for this sequence because um, I, so I, I, I have I have very little to say about it other than <laughs> like well that I don't like it. <laughs> um, it just, yeah, just means that- lets the movie. Right, I, know, I know I'm going to get pillared for this, but this to me lets the movie down. This bit. This is that this? Is that Richard Grayson doing the stunt now instead of? Uh, uh, yeah, this is because John Glenn wasn't even on location for this because they were shooting in Chinatown with Roger whilst this was being filmed across town on nights. On nights, the second unit. Yeah. The reason I asked whether it was uh, Richard Graydon is because Bond looked like he lost about a half foot of height. Uh, yeah, <laughs> outside of the uh, fire. Yeah. Um, I, I'd love to have been in the booth for the ADR for this whole yeah. sequence. It's just oh, oh god. <laughs> I think they just like, have a like, bank of Roger Waller at this point, and it's right because, like, like, right there. I mean, he looks maybe I don't know. Roger Moore was like what six two, something like that. Yeah, at least that guy yeah. looks like five seven. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, Give or take uh, a Goldfinger. Is Bond chased by the cops every time he comes to America? <laughs> Good yeah. question. It's American cops. Oh, American yeah. cops. He's lucky. He's white. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Throw a whole wrinkle into the Idris Elba era if that ever comes to pass. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the hell is that? what? <laughs> Why is the policeman so sort of slightly aroused by it or amused? Because <laughs> these are red blooded American male. Yeah, he tried out for Vice Squad, but he was yeah, well, just too into it. <laughs> but, 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 but we but we don't but we don't know was he aroused by the guy or by the woman mm. or both or both yeah or both yeah. we're in san francisco what should we get two guys with cowboy hats on let's knock the cowboy hats off i mean jeez <laughs> god this really does go on doesn't it it uh, really does it i haven't really does. This in I a while be, i might go and make another drink at this point uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, I'd, I'd, make, I'd, make, I'd, I'd go and make a couple. <laughs> I'd make a couple of drinks. And all I will say is, Marco Connell, Marco Connell. Marco <laughs> <laughs> now you have to drink. Ha! Um, yeah. I mean, Daniel, Daniel Craig's Bond is in Miami for like an hour and the airport cops grab him. Like, yeah. I, think, I think it's every time. I think you might be right there, actually. Yeah. Calvin, there's a video there. 
Yeah, no, I, I was already uh, sort of teeing up my sheriff ranking video. But yeah, now I think I'm like, <laughs> yeah. do, do, uh, do an ideas from your friends. No, no, please <laughs> do these polls, really. Do a Bond all cops are bastards video. Let's see what happens. Defund the police in the movies. Bond hates pigs. That's the that's the name of the video. <laughs> Is the Bond franchise yeah. anti-police? Like, they're always bumbling idiots. Well, they're anti-American well, police. Uh, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's just an accurate description of what the police are. Well, I mean, I you can say that. I've never seen cops do this on a bridge, and I've been in America for a long time. I think it, it, it is definitely embedded in the series, and I think Guy Hamilton, I mean, you see it in Diamonds Are Forever, Live and Let Die, The Man with the Golden Gun, he obviously had a real sort of comedy fetish for the bumbling American policeman, yes. but I think that did extend out to the whole series. We'll see it here with the sheriff's car is destroyed, and mm-hmm. they're all like, oh. Um, <laughs> they all somehow walk out of that car that just collapsed into about an eighth of its length. But, yeah. but Okay, but uh, are, the, are the Metropolitan Police in Skyfall treated much better. It's a much more serious film, so you you can't mm. treat them in the same way. But uh, I don't think really they escaped with much of much of a reputation right. either. They they True. got they got they got cut out of the world's not enough as well, mm. didn't they? No, oh, yes, yeah. On your rear end. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's primarily American cops t- that they're taking the piss with. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very British thing. I don't know. It's, it's maybe maybe Smokey and the Bandit was hilarious to everyone who works on these films. <laughs> sure, I don't know. Sure, but but, it, it, but it Bond is predates some... that. Diamonds is six years before oh, yeah. Smokey and the Bandit. Oh God! Oh, it's a pioneer yeah. in this field. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but those of you who don't know, um, Stacy Sutton. Um, sorry, who's that? Who, I can't kind of just thank you, Tanya Roberts. Thank you. I was a little bit drunk. Um, I am a little bit drunk. Um, she um, she requested that um, her overalls be tailored to her, and so Roger's line when oh. uh, she steps steps out of the uh, <laughs> the cabin and says, and he says, uh, "Pity you couldn't find one that fits." Is just him. Um, giving a throwing a little shade, showy shade at her for um, being so. Yeah, because they lose like two days shooting or something. And, mm-hmm. and you, yeah. you, you lot think I'm a prima donna. <laughs> I love that Roger commented on that, and and yeah, the amount of the the amount of shade she should have cast on him from stunts. From I mean, right. he's like walking and you know standing still. That's pretty much all he can do in this. Uh, and jump into a hot tub. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> with grimace. <laughs> <laughs> so we're an hour and forty-one in. And we're about to find out what the plot is. God. Yeah, um, and also <laughs> this is usually when films are shot somewhere other than California. Like, so films are usually made in California, and mm-hmm. what happens is that they use Californian locations to be somewhere else. This like film, alien planets. Yeah, alien planets and the like. This is one of those films that is actually shot outside of California and is using whales to represent, or wherever the hell this is, um, to, to represent California. This is, this is not a mine in California. This is in England, rural England somewhere, and I'm sure... Uh, many of uh, many. They have a little them. museum with the mine cars and pictures yeah, they, up of the. They do, thing. and it's quite interesting that they do uh, uh, 
you know they they subvert the uh, you know the trope, so to speak, of um, you know California being everywhere else in the world. And now we're in the I, new 007 stage, newly rebuilt just for this film. Whoa. After it I burned love, down. I love this. The lighting of this it reminds me of um, Temple of Doom a little sure. bit, and um, you know it's a great this shot here particularly. You know, really does. It's a wonderful set. It's really well lit, um, and uh, I, I, I think it's uh, kind of and, and a feat of engineering because it was designed to be flooded and all sorts of other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah ab- absolutely. I think it's a, a completely underrated set in the Bond canon. Um, people always talk about volcanoes and you know the, the 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 submarine pens, but this is actually you know again one of those sets that I think is you know just a phenomenal set in the Bond series uh, ben you talking about california and it, it just triggered off uh, california uber alice by dead kennedy's there's uh, uh, i'm loving your i'm loving your your music suggestions for this <laughs> i think that would be the right thing to do take out barry's kind of orchestral um you know, Duran uh, Duran crossover and just put the Dead Kennedys in. But it's whole <laughs> um, really would work, I think. Can, it, we it's amazing. For, can we talk for a minute about the disposability of um, the people who are part of this plan, mm-hmm. because we usually talk about how, you know, how do you, how do you find your, your hench people and, you know, how do you get people to work for you? And one thing that we're going to see is the fact that Zoran doesn't actually care about anybody other than yeah. himself. And he literally just murders. Oh, he's a proper, he's a proper psychopath, a sociopath. Yeah, and that's why, that's why Roger did not like this movie when he saw it yeah. when it was finished. Uh-huh. So I, I saw this, I remember seeing this in the cinema with some friends um, at age 11 and the bit where he stands there and just indiscriminately shoots him with the Uzi, I remember looking at my friends and us all of the, like, there's probably two other two other people I was with, and we just went, "That that's not right," <laughs> you know. It's 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 quite a tonal, and and the fact that he asks for another clip, you know, when they talk <laughs> about people who who um, shoot in self-defense or anger they often say well you fired six shots but to stop and reload you know <laughs> yeah um kind of kind of like tells you that that person is is in control knows what they're doing and doesn't care um so i think in some ways it it, it does sort of um explain a lot about zorin as a character and also maybe perhaps why he likes um Scarpine so much because Scarpine is is doing exactly the same thing. Um, you know, they're both basic sociopaths. Um, but it's yeah, it's 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 not a pleasant thing, is it? That they they just wipe out literally everyone who works for them. And the whole the whole conceit of they were going to write it off as an, as a natural disaster triggered by an accident. Well, when they went to investigate and they found all the miners were riddled with bullets. Mm-hmm. How do you explain that? He's nuts. Um, um, <laughs> I think it's um, it's 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 marsh fog flares with a sun <laughs> spots uh, or something. You know, it's the time of the morning. Um, light over the horizon created bullet effects. I don't know. Um, <laughs> This this whole ex, this whole explanation of shut up this whole explanation of how uh, 
how they do it is kind of like that's a lot of explosives there by the way yeah. that's, it's a nice that's set like, or matte painting whatever it is yeah oh, I, that's it's, impressive. it's also it reminds me of the if the egg chamber in alien you know mm. it, like john hurts down there going you should see the other room you know um <laughs> but it's but this whole explanation, like this, the, this is the whole plot of the film, basically explained over this over this model yeah. that um, you know Mod- modeling have made um, yeah. with animation. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm going to start a company that basically makes models for villains. Um, <laughs> around about this same time, I believe in San Francisco, they built. A, a scale accurate model of the topology, the whole area. And they were actually discussing flooding certain areas and stuff and seeing what would happen to the thing. So that's, yeah, the same model company probably got, <laughs> I've got hired. Like, can you explain why we're flooding half of the Bay area? Yeah. Um, this might, this might be completely irrelevant, but um, this, this kind of reminds me a little bit of um, Mulholland um, who was responsible for building one of the, the, the big reservoir dams here in California, who was who built this big reservoir and was just like, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's not going to... And then they were like, it's cracking, it's about to, you know, it's like, don't worry about it, it's all right. Yeah, um, yeah. And then it killed... Then it They're part of the design. Yeah, he wasn't even like he was a self-taught engineer, and that should tell you something. Um, <laughs> and and then it broke, and it killed over a thousand people. Um, and all of this Jeez. this water that they'd stolen from um, from other parts of California to kind of make sure that LA had its water just Jeez. flushed out to sea. Um, well, I, and, I, I uh, think that. that- there's nothing wrong with self-taught, uh, but you need to read the right books, and I think some people need <laughs> yeah. to remember that. So, uh, so Mulholland, uh, obviously, you know, when they when they went to, to court, he just went, "I'm entirely responsible for this. It's all my fault. If anyone has the blame, it should be me." And they went, "Don't worry about it. You're a rich white man. What we're going to do is we're going to name a few areas of uh, California after you." Uh, we're oh, going to give you Holland Drive. Oh, shit, uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to put up a couple of monuments for you. Um, yeah, so, yeah, don't don't worry about killing all those people. That's fine. You'll be a, you know. I, I love but, the movie, yeah, though. Sorry. Yeah, that's just an aside for you, people. It's in Bond's universe. In the future, there's like a Zorin Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Zorin Boulevard. Um, thanks thanks to My Favourite Murder for, for the, that, um, that story, by the way. Um, and and uh, here's Zorn's uh, angels about to uh, get double crossed. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he's just not a very nice guy, is he? I mean, this is why I think this is, he's one of the better um, Bond villains, really, because you, you know you you got it. You, you like him, but you hate him, and I, I think that's a rare thing. To, like most of the time, Bond villains are, are, are pretty kind of. I mean, he's not not one dimensional. You know there isn't much to Zorin, but at least at least you can kind. Of, he is a charismatic and unlikable person at the well, same time. You know, a, a little while ago when Christopher Walken did his deer hunter in joke by pointing the gun at his head, um, mm. <laughs> that's the kind yeah, of little Irish Bond villains don't do. Yeah, he should have just gone one shot when he shot the guy. Um, it is weird though, like. 
tonally, uh, like what he's about to do and kill all of his uh, workmen it is very strange, particularly at this point where you have so much of the same creative crew coming back time and time again to make this and for them just to do something as uh, sort of mean-spirited as this feels quite yeah. strange. Well, he's saving a lot of money and I think Eon appreciates that. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it could have just been, all right, clocking off time, guys, get out. This is it, you know. But no, he has to kill everyone. I think it's a kind of an Eon fantasy, isn't it? It's like, if we just Severance killed pay, everybody yeah. on, the, on, the, on the crew, we wouldn't have to pay them. <laughs> God. But that's our, that's our Eon family. Yeah, but is it? <laughs> yeah. I mean. So we're talking about like, the movie going dark. I mean, this is really the tipping point. Mm. here isn't it because it's the lingering as well it's the fact that we linger on all these things there's no sort of cutaway it's no we're going to show you uh these construction workers electrocuting themselves by trying you know trying to trying get to away from the horrific <laughs> boss man yeah killing them yeah. it's really yeah. you know jenny flex as well uh, look of horror on her face running away from the water it's like yeah these right. people are drowning they're electrocuting they're falling off built you know uh, the structures and, they're being yeah uh, and shot. it's hard and it's hard to emphasize the number but we're talking about like what two three four dozen um yeah i mean it's quite a, quite it's a, a couple hundred it goes yeah. on and on and on Calvin, and, and yeah, yeah. with him laughing and everything it's yeah, yeah. this is another youtube yeah. video <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is not, it's not a it's not a pleasant thing to watch him laugh as That's he right. shoots shoots people. It's kind of it's a video about weird tonal changes in James Bond movies, yeah. or, or, or at any <laughs> rate, the, the erroneous assumption that Roger Moore is the silly one, right? You've got right. Corinne yeah. getting torn apart by dogs. You've got mm. you've got him threatening to break Maude Adams' arm in Man with the Golden Gun. You've got this whole thing that you guys have been discussing here. Mm. There's some, mm. some yeah, nastiness. No, no, I, I, a hundred percent, Phil. There, there is stuff that kind of gets buried beneath the the idea that he that he is just a kind of a carry on Bond. You put a clown suit a on one time. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think it's interesting that up to this point, Zoran has been surrounded mostly by women as his core team. There's Mayday. There's the two other women. Mm. They're there at the the burning building in San Francisco. Uh, they're there on his estate. And yet he disposes of them so easily, so quickly. And that is true alliances with, you know, his sort of surrogate dad figure in the blimp. And I don't think that that was developed enough uh, mm. across this. And his, and, and his relationship with Scarpine, I think, is something that, you know, people don't really necessarily um, focus on too much either. Like, he's the only, like, despite the fact that he's with Mayday, Scarpine is the only person that pretty much throughout this that he has any kind of real um kind of connection to any Dr. Kind of like real well yeah obviously but Morton Morton is like his father is a father figure and they and but they don't really talk or anything. They they just kind of yeah. like uh, you know oh, like scarping scarping somebody that he kind of looks to as like a not an equal necessarily but like you know they're look they yeah they throw their hats up they're like yeah woo you know they're <laughs> well, both they're both kind of like well, coming well coming up here, uh, Zorn has a dad moment with Doctor Mortner when you know he's got his hand around uh, Doctor Mortner's head and they're like ex- anticipating the explosion. And it's like, oh, dad, I'm so. But they're not. They're not friends, are they? There is definitely a, a, a father son kind of um, relationship that goes on. 
Um, I remember reading about how long it actually takes to inflate one of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's like a, a long time. Yeah, it's like a really long time. Um, a nefarious blimp. Yeah. yeah, I, I, I do, I do like the kind of the idea that it's in this kind of prefab office, and this, yeah. this is actually quite a cool little Bond thing. Order that, that from Sears. Sounds uh, <laughs> <laughs> like that. When, when ready. <laughs> yeah, pre prefab uh, escape balloons. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, talking. Uh, coming back to your point earlier, Phil, about like the. the the, the change of allegiance of um, uh, Mayday over to the good side, it, it is equaled only in its suddenness by kind of Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Bad guy <laughs> for like three movies. Yeah. That's what you were talking about. I, I was thinking, yeah, uh, I was just thinking Star Wars, yeah. So, sorry, Phil, you were going to say something. Yeah, he, li- he literally just goes, oh, you know, that's my son. Maybe I should be a good guy now. You know, and it's the same thing with 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 Mayday. She's just kind of like, ah, that wasn't a very nice thing to do. Maybe I'll switch over. An um, hour and fifty five in. But it's more profound yeah. than that. She is betrayed by the man that she loves, mm-hmm. and her friends are dead. Like if somebody did that to me, I'd want you dead. I'd want to destroy anything that you have made. Like it's a snap of my fingers, and I will switch sides. Like I think. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. There. Did everybody else just nervously look around the room? I got one of those little evil emojis. She just, just texted me that. Just like, you're dead. <laughs> it's just a slow kind of finger across the throat from, uh, from Lisa. She's just like, fuck you, you're dead. You're dead, you're dead now. But um, I also think if you really want to see what happens after it, like Mayday has a heroic moment. She will do mm-hmm. the physical labor. Bond is literally going to stand on the thing and tell her to like crank it up. And she's the one who follows through on their sort of small collective mission and sort of looks at Zorn and is like, screw you. Look what I've done. I mean, yeah. you, you talk about the woman scorned. You know, don't mm-hmm. mess with women because <laughs> they will literally blow up your plans. And so for me, I watch this and I, I get it. I get the emotion and I get the heroism that that we see. And maybe it, it, we talked earlier, maybe it's too little too late. But this is a moment for me where I'm just like, like, she's a badass at the end. And it, for mm-hmm. me, it's very much a redeeming moment. Does it take away previous stuff? No. But it is a it is a moment of like strong heroism for a black woman in a Bond film in a major role until yeah. we get yeah. There's so something too late. Is I don't buy it because of that. Really, it, it, I, just, I just find it difficult to believe that she would switch because I, I just I don't don't believe in the character enough. I think. Um, I was also going to say coming up here once they get the bomb out and she makes the ultimate sacrifice reading the copy of the script that I have reads kind of flat, like the emotion mm-hmm. doesn't seem there. So, so that in my mind, Roger Moore and Grace Jones added a lot to that. You know, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's this famous saying I, that uh, the movie is all the movies, the case of that bill where the actors actually give it more than the script. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so much. I mean, you, you know, the, uh, I, to, I, I, look, I hear what you're saying, David, about, you know, you don't buy it. But I also hear Lisa saying, yeah, you fuck with me. This is what I'm going to do. Like, she is clearly 
so she's she's ready to give her life at this point. And the fact is that she is a physically strong woman, but but it's more about it's more than just her physicality of strength as she's doing this. This is strength of character and strength of personality. Um, that's that's leading her to to do this. You know, because if you were if you were just physically strong, you could lift this up and you know put it onto the onto the onto the cart. But no, you sure, need yeah, you yeah, need yeah, to be. Yeah, I, I, I buy her physical strength at a hundred percent, but uh, it, it's the it's the character I, I, I don't buy. Well, into that's I, uh, that's kind of what that's kind of what I'm saying, David. It's just okay, like sorry. you know, yeah, it's one thing to it's one thing to be kind of physically strong, but it's another thing to just kind of being like, no, I'm. Do you know what? I believe in this enough, you know, that I'm gonna I'm gonna sacrifice myself. I'm gonna stand on this cart. I'm gonna make sure the brake doesn't go. And I, I, I and and I think that. Um, it's an for all of the kind of the, the egregious things about having you know a, a black woman snarling and biting and this being kind of like the, the character that she's being presented as uh, up until this point, the redemption we have here, where you have a strong female black woman doing something basically that saves the entire. This is this is. Her saving the entire movie, basically, spoiling the entire plot. Um, yep. And, and because of that, I think it, it it's it's a very it's a very powerful thing to have in a Bond film. And, that, and add, yes, can I just add one point? She also dies on her own terms. So oftentimes, you know, as 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 a hench person, as as a villain, and specifically villainous women, you die at the hands of the villain. You don't die on your own accord. And so she killed two agents, two of Bond's friends, in a pretty gruesome fashion, along with a whole bunch mm-hmm. of other people. There is there's no Bondian justice for Mayday. Bond did meet his match, but he didn't actually surpass that match. He didn't mm-hmm. her, yeah. bring her over to the side. This is Mayday doing it herself. And I think that there's something really powerful um, about that moment that she dies on her own terms. And, and mm. kind of, yeah, kind of I, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. This I is think the self, self loop, which <laughs> always gets marked. Yeah. How do you not hear it? That's all I got to right. say. Sorry, Behind you. Look out so, behind so, you. What? All right. So, more, so, more so, so meanwhile, uh, we're about, <laughs> more power. We're, we're, we're more, about to have a, a great in joke in the movie <laughs> coming up. Sorry. Sorry, go on. Sorry. Well, you, you know, Bond, Bond is dangling underneath the, uh, underneath the uh, blimp, and they're going to approach downtown San Francisco. And uh, Bond's manhood is about to be threatened by the top of the Transamerica building. <laughs> the power of the pyramid as, uh, was one of their ad slogans at one time. Of course, Transamerica owned United Artists from 1967 until 1981. <laughs> uh, and then they sold it to MGM, leading to this purgatory Bond fans have been in ever since. Um, <laughs> 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 And of course, you know, the cops rights. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there's the cop <laughs> gets in an accident on top of that. Bought so. a bunch of <laughs> suit. <laughs> so a, a, lot of, a lot of these wide shots of the blimp were actually filmed pre-production. Yeah, yeah, they were just um, the sort of location scouting shoots almost, weren't they, James? Yeah, yeah, um, for the Fuji blimp. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, and that's and that's in fact why they they did the design for Zorin the way that it did the color scheme and everything because it it matches the Fuji one so that the wide it would match the wide shots that they took. Mm. I, I I have I have to say that this finale is brilliant. The way that they built this section of the Golden Gate at Pinewood, um, that I, I really genuinely think this is great i mean as a kid i i i thought how are they they doing this um how are they filming this i you know i didn't understand it um and i think it's it's more power power. (laughs) Um, this this is really i mean okay some of these like calvin you're right some of the background plates aren't great um but this is great this stuff here is really good um and you do get, I do get that sense of like my, you know, my heart being in my, my, my mouth when, you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of fights and I think they really sell this notion of you being very high up and it being very, um, I mean, that's, <laughs> okay, whatever, fine, okay. No, no, he just, you said that and then I heard the, cause I've got the volume very faint. I just heard the Roger Moore. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> went over the edge and I, uh, yeah, and, and, I, and I, it was that gulp that he does. Yeah, and, uh, I, and I, I, I also heard the full roar and uh, more, more power. Do it, more power. Do it, it. Do more it. power. Uh, back in 2002-2003 or something, there, there was a, a Bond exhibition at the Science Museum in in London, yes. and one of yep. the things they had was a section of the pipe with a green screen behind and so you could go and cling to the pipe and uh, get a photo uh, of you uh, with, the, with the background. With, with, be- with, yeah. with better visual effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Me so- and my friends spent so much time on that when we saw that was at the Bradford uh, <laughs> yeah, Media Museum, there, uh, there, as is known now. There is, uh, there is a, a, that. There, so there's a photo of me clinging to the Golden Great. Yeah, oh, amazing! Bridge somewhere. Oh, uh, you're gonna have to share that. I would yeah, love to see yeah, that. We didn't take any photos, but, but yeah. it's, it, it's very out of focus. <laughs> I don't care. Put it in. It, it, out of focus means it'll be just right, you know, for the for the tone of the the movie. Me and my <laughs> friends took in turns to be Bond and Stacey Sutton. There were like four of us, and we just alternated <laughs> uh, between so viewers and it. watching. Yeah. Um. Oh, let's let's this. just let's just uh, let's just talk about the laugh. I, I love the laugh. That's my favorite. My favorite thing is is um, I think it's my favorite villain death in the whole of Bond's canon. Um, look, there's a liparis going underneath. Continuity. Doctor Carl's like, oh, what's going on? The laugh is interesting because. Mayday laughs as she's coming out of the thing. He laughs. Yeah. Neither is in the script. And um, and I think Benicio lets out a laugh in License to Kill before he eats it. Yeah. yeah. So are these are these John Glenn touches or are these just uh, crazy actors? Because all three are kind of on the eccentric <laughs> scale. I love it. I think it's such a it's such a cool thing that he's just like I didn't know this isn't right. Yeah, what? it's very oh, unexpected. When he's falling, yeah. so up high. I, I, was, I was in a meeting with EA years ago and they were sketching out some new game ideas and they wanted to bring Zorin back 
because um, he was what they considered. Well, he could have survived villains. <laughs> yeah, until, right. until we actually like cracked Wikipedia and found out, like if you fall from the deck of the bridge, yeah. only like two percent survive or something. So if you're like, twice as high again, <laughs> no. Well, they did mention um, him in um, Everything or Nothing, didn't they? Uh, yes, the villain of that they, film was a disciple of uh, Max that's Dorian, I believe. Why they pivoted to an original character, which became William Dafoe in that. Ah, okay. yeah. I mean, it, it was originally be... going to be Max Dorian. Hmm. Yeah, but you'd just be liquefied by the time, like at that point, <laughs> hitting, hitting, hitting water at 15 feet hurts, you know, like that height. I don't know how high that is. Someone will yeah. tell us. Sure, uh, but... Probably you should learn to no. dive properly, Ben. Dr. Warner, <laughs> Dr. Warner goes out with a laugh too. Yeah. Yeah. No, he says. Very ding, positive. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why he he does that. He goes. Like, big... Scarpin's there, like going, "Give me that fucking bunch of like," and he goes, "Ring, ring, 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 ring." He's preempting <laughs> Crazy Frog by about fifteen years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, got, he's got a big smile on his face. Just as he's about to be born in the kingdom come. I'm... How did they get down from here? There is a great shot of Martin Grace on the actual top of the actual Golden Book Great Bridge, doubling for Roger. Uh, no Makes your knees feel wobbly just looking at it. Yeah. Oh, I can't. I can't. I can't do the heights. I just can't. Yeah. The, the, uh, the only time we have Google in M's office, like that, seems like a yes. pretty big deal. <laughs> yeah. You know, head of the Russian secret service in one of the Western powers' offices. That's never going to happen in real life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Right. You just, just a bit. Right. So uh, uh, M, M says, M says, yeah, I'm just just need the bathroom for a moment, and so then he's going through <laughs> all his drawers and photographing and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, was just alluding her... to the White House. If anybody missed that, mm-hmm. just, just, just her room is just. So his, so... his Sorry, James, I'm a bit mixed up. No, here's QRV that was cut from the pipeline, but um, um, that I, explains I, why he's here now. I love the fact that Roger's last line in the whole of his you know, franchise and his his contribution to Bond is. Ooh, I think it's, it's, it's incredible. I think it's incredibly fit, and and that's if you crank if you crank it and take the music tracks off it, he actually says something like, "That's not the soap" or something. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, really actually, cool. that's that's Pass just before. That's just yeah. before. Yeah, yeah, pass me the soap. Oh, he drops it, the and then yeah. and then just, she says, "I'll get it," and then he yeah. says, "That is not, that's not soap." So, yeah. subtitle, clear that out. Meanwhile, oh, this meanwhile, is oh god, you oh. didn't want to. Q didn't want to knock on the door to see if they were in. He sent his snooper robot. It, it, it's, useful, it's useful to have the microphone up by his eye as well, isn't it? Yeah. That's what you did for half of the, uh, half of the tracks. Like, <laughs> there was a point where I was like, is he, is he doing a Q impression? Just, yeah. um, uh, Papillon So-So wasn't that great. um yeah i i i love this film um i'm so glad that we finally got to see it i i've I've put it up as a nomination to to be be seen many times um i'm pleased that i got to do the commentary for this over say uh 
Fioris only. I was heartbroken that I didn't get to do Fioris only, but I'm so thrilled that I got to do the commentary for this. Uh, it, it almost makes up for it. <laughs> I like how they had the stunt team, the girls team, the horse team, the driving team, and then they had the, the Roger team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I'd love if they just kind of like just left them at the top of the Golden Gate Bridge. That would have been like... <laughs> You know, like we did it, James, and it's like, how do we get down? I, well, I, I, I don't all know. Out, we're all out of airships now, so. Yeah. But it would mean like a you know like a really good kind of like um, self-preservation society moment, you know. Um, <laughs> you know the Italian job, kind of like great. How do we get down from here, James? Um, I've got an idea, and that would that would be it. That would be the last the last thing you would see is just them up on the top of the well, What's that? What's that? Um... There was some article, somebody put it, I don't know if it was Twitter or something, something like, is Rogers, is Bond presumed dead at the end of this movie or something? Because, anyway, I don't know if anybody saw that on social media. They were at the end debating of the movie. Whether, yeah. Well, because they didn't find, well, they found him. Bond is alive. M, yeah. M, M said he was like presumed that's why, dead. That's why I was confused by it. I was like, well, they know God he damn is. Goddamn clickbait. They but, need to watch these movies. <laughs> Put in the work. <laughs> do, do, do you know? Uh, I I actually enjoyed watching it this time. Hey, <laughs> there you go. Mm. We're, we're changing the views of the Bond community one one at a time. <laughs> well, a, a, bit, a, a bit, a bit, anyway. No, I. <laughs> Yeah, yeah no. I enjoyed it a bit. No, it's it's one film I, I, I've had uh, difficulty really getting into, and uh, I don't understand, David, why people accuse us of being kind of cynical and dour about mm. these voiceover, you know, these commentary checks that we're mm. doing. You know, it's clear that each and every one of us loves all of these films equally. Uh, <laughs> as much. Uh, we never say anything uh, negative or derogatory about them. We just love them, um, and uh, I don't understand where this 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 criticism yeah. comes from. I hundred percent agree with you, but crazy, We're going to do tw- we're going to do a Twitter question speed round. Mm. Um, each of you, each of you can pick one of these to answer, and then we'll we'll be done. Whoever jumps in first can answer it, and then you're out, and then the next person will go <laughs> on, right? So, please discuss Barry's score. A highlight of the film, one of his best. I guess this is a, do you agree with this mm. question? Uh, um, given the movie he had to work with. Yes. I, I thought it was a highlight. In fact, for the first two minutes, I thought this was going to be a classic until we got the Beach Boys song. <laughs> but, but right up till then, I'm thinking, this is, this is right up there. This is great. Uh, no, I think, he, uh, I think he outperforms. He punches above his weight. When it comes to this movie, he's yeah. Barry's Barry's always just amazing, right? Like, I mean, I think this is a great score. I think coming back to my previous comments about when it comes in and and how it punctuates the movie, I think it's un, I think it was unnecessarily grand was for the you know city hall sequence, but I like it. I think it's a great score. Sorry, I didn't. Uh, I, I think it's a good example of weaving elements of the theme song into the. Soundtrack yeah. throughout, and putting his own motifs in. This in the know. next one. Yeah, yeah. Wine with Stacy's you know, one of my top favorite. 
Barry tracks. Uh, um, yeah, Kish with red wine is my favourite. <laughs> That's the remix. Um, so, um, does the panel agree that this is basically a better remake of Goldfinger? <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't consider it to be a. I don't consider it to be a remake of Goldfinger, but I do consider it to be a better film. Well, well. I, lo- I look. I do love Goldfinger. I think you know it's hard to be at like this age and growing up with Bond films as as we do, and not kind of have a, a connection to the, the the early Sean movies, and particularly uh, with Ken Adams uh, and, and and John Barry's uh, kind of influences into those things. Um, it kind of creates a world for you. Um, but as I said earlier on in the podcast, I was 11 when I saw this, um, and I think it was the the film that was happening now. If you know what I mean, like that was that was my that was my modern Bond film, and uh, Goldfinger was an older Bond film, even though I loved it. So I, it, it's it's hard to separate it. Really, I can't. I can't. I, I think that's the reason I really like it. Is it 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 was an, it was a piece of its time. Yeah. Um, whereas a lot of the Roger Moore entries were influenced by other films, this was influenced by actual culture of the yeah. day. Yeah, I, I think it just it just was a perfectly 1985 movie, and um, for that, it's hard to kind of um, you know separate it out. I, I recognise that the criticisms levelled at it are, are completely valid, but I can't. I can't rip away my childhood from it. Um, and it just means, you know, it means a lot to me because of that. All right. Um, right. Quick, quick one for everybody. Uh, where do you rank the theme tune? Oh, quite highly. <laughs> top five. Is it, yeah. is it in or is it in or out of top five for everybody? Top five for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd say top five. Yeah. Top five. Top 10, maybe. Uh, definitely. Definitely in my bottom five. <laughs> uh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just uh, I, I, I'll, I'll, I, I will give a, uh, some context. So it's like ni- 1985 was my sex and drugs and rock and roll period, and so Duran uh, Duran definitely wasn't in there. And uh, I kind of can't. Uh, I, I, I just I, I can't forgive Duran Duran for being in a Bond film. I, I, I hated <laughs> the Lulu the time gets a pass. I, and I hate them now. Oh, David, the- I'm the opposite. Yeah. I, I was obsessed by, with Duran Duran at this point. I was dressing like Simon the Bond at 11 years old. I was I was so into Duran Duran. When I found out they were doing the theme tune, I, I had a little mini fangasm. In 2012, for the, for the Olympics, um, I had the opportunity to either go to Hyde Park and see uh-huh. Duran Duran play for the, for the opening or to go to the actual, uh, uh, you know, the stadium. I chose to go to Hyde Park and see Duran Duran. And I had, when I saw them play this song, mm-hmm. I just was in, you know, I had a moment of like, my brain just kind of went, and then we had the little Bond vignette from Danny Boyle. I, you know, like it was cut away, like Simon the Bond, was on stage and he went, and now we have to cut away to to this. So he introduced that section, that that Penny uh-huh. Boyle, um, Craig 
bond thing. So I was having a kind of a, oh my God, I'm having multiple bonds moments wash over me. Mm. Um, and it was, you know, for me, that was a, an incredible kind of experience. I, I, I can't, I know that you're, you're basically like, no, this was a horrible, pop-tastic, terrible thing. But for me, it was like everything. <laughs> yeah, I, and uh, I, I've got no criticism against anybody who loves Duran Duran. It's just not not my thing at all. I was full into post punk at that time and and goth and stuff. And uh, yeah. so uh, you know, it's just uh, I get that. No, that's, I, I totally, I totally appreciate that. I totally appreciate that music. It's just I was I was very in a very different place at that time. And, no, no, uh, no, no, no. I no. I, uh, it, 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 in many respects, it's, it's just a, a difference in the ages that we are yeah sure sure uh and uh it's uh if you love if you love music you love music and so uh i think that's actually the most important thing so yeah uh uh i've got i i i don't like their music mainly and i've got nothing against the musicians or anything like that so uh yeah i will say that they are they are very talented musicians and, and it's actually interesting to say that you know, John Barry was very happy working with them. Mm, um, yeah. You know what I mean? And and that he's a curmudgeonly old, you know, was a very kind of like stick in the mud musician. Um, it's notable that he hated working with Aha. Mm -hmm. um, but when working with Duran Duran was like, oh no, these guys are good. <laughs> and I think that says, that says a lot. Right. Lisa, you touched on this in the commentary, but one uh, Keith t tweeted: um, "This film would have fared so much better if Stacey's character had been played in an actress in her forties." Yeah, mm. yeah. I would have preferred if they'd have just played up the James Bond fatherly aspect of it. Like it feels so unnatural. I don't think the actors have a romantic. They certainly don't have a romantic chemistry, and I think there is something quite sweet about him taking Stacy to bed and leaving her there and going and sitting in the rocking chair with the gun to sort of protect her. Like, I think that there's something quite sweet about that. And I wish that they'd kind of built on that. And particularly with this being Roger's last, I think there would have been something quite sweet about it. If he'd have just been like, yeah, yeah you know, Tucked a platonic in. relationship with a, with a woman. <clears throat> and uh, just sleeps with three life. women in the film instead of four. Yeah. <laughs> for you a know, change. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's the fourth one. It's it's completely superfluous. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's yeah. a really good point, Calvin. I think that there's a way of keeping, like, if we want to keep the film intact in terms of casting, it's just it's one little tweak that can be done, and then it makes sense for her to be in her childhood bedroom, tucking her in at night, you know, making comments and rolling your eyes about women's liberation and stuff, almost like you do a father say to a daughter, right? Times are changing. Mm. Um, I think that there's a way for that to happen. Um, and, and it is a question. It opens the question up. I, I, so I was thinking of four year eyes only as we were talking about this, where mm -hmm. I didn't feel the connection there either. And maybe it raises that question. Does there need to be a sexual and romantic relationship with bond ending the film or in these cases, you know, what happens when it feels forced? Because some of us are watching this being like, yeah, this doesn't work for me. Um, mm. Maybe then there's there's an expansion of the formula that needs to happen. Mm. So, Lisa, I feel like she is basically um, BB, but with a degree. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's not you, flinging you, herself at him, which BB wasn't no, a cartoonish not, way. 
but she's very childlike. You know, she's very I'd, childlike. No, I'd say intellectually, she's pretty mature in this movie up until. And it's the screaming of the in the in the in the fire scene, which kind of reduces lets her, down her a little bit. bit. Reduces her a little bit, but she, but she's willing to quit. She's yeah, but she's, she's in that she's childhood room and and kind of caught up in but there's literally downstairs there is no fucking furniture in the whole place I know she's had to like, sell it all I know but it's just like it's just like she, the thing that she kept intact was everything yeah. from her childhood room I was going to comment I was going to mention that earlier actually and uh, then I was thinking but you know it's uh, you know, am, am I wrong it just yeah, it, 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 it is very, it is very odd. Yeah, and you just got this vast, ex- you got this vast expanse of IKEA flooring, but uh, nothing in it. <laughs> yeah, and and she reminds me basically of the of, of Sarah from uh, Labyrinth, which you know it's ironic considering that, that David Bowie's Bowie. the bad guy in that. Bowie shot at Pinewood um, as well with the same crew. Huh? Shot at Pinewood with the same crew. Yeah. So oh yeah, it's in. It's it's interesting that she's got this very uh, this connection this this um, this 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 thing with her childhood that she can't let it go, um, and and it's almost like she's playing that sort of same character, but at the end she has sex with Roger Moore, which just feels really wrong to me. Um, but. Yeah, I. I, 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 I hang on. Smart, okay, okay, okay. But... Uh, Ben, you said she she has sex with Roger Moore. Do you mean Roger Moore or James Bond? <laughs> well, you know James Bond. She has sex with James Bond, but what I mean is like she is she's caught in this little kind of childish bubble, and she really reminds me of that character Sarah in, in Labyrinth because you know that she's just on that cusp of leaving her childhood behind and being an adult, um, and that's kind of sort of what that film's about um whereas whereas she's an adult who's got a degree and you know she's she's professional and she's intelligent and yet she's kind of like i can't quite let go of my rocking horse and yeah. it's just a bit it's just a bit strange for me and and, and it and feels the like casting leads into that point, uh, yeah and then and then and then and her performance leads into that as yeah well, it's so. a very baby doll kind of thing happening yeah and it, you know, they could have written her very differently. Like it's like the same thing with Christmas Jones. You know, she is a character who is essentially, um, you know, an astro- you know, a physicist, and we've got a geologist. Um, they don't treat. It's interesting how the Bond films treat geologists. By the way, <laughs> this is, uh, you know, they either hit them with an iron, or, uh, you know, okay. anyway. Well, didn't um, the geologist in Quantum of Solace get drowned? That's what I'm saying, yeah. You know, like anti-geologist. Uh... But I also feel like it goes against what Roger Moore has shown us before, which is that when we've seen BB, he's gone. You know, like her advances towards him, he's gone. You know, I'll get you an ice cream, but we're not doing anything, right? He was he was interested in, um, you know. Melina uh, wasn't that much older. But, but, yeah, yeah, no, but I, Mal- I, but Melina, but Melina was. But Melina is is an adult. And I, I, is- I, 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 I actually wanted to go back to the books because, and uh, it was a Judy Havelock in in the books, and you know Bond Bond uh, gets well, asked by M if he's interested in going after these criminals who have shot 
uh, his best man and his wife dead in in Jamaica and so on. So uh, and uh, these these heavies are, are, are hanging out in 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 the states, and so Bond uh, heads in rural, out. rural 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 Vermont or something. That's right, yeah. You know. Yeah, and yeah, so, um, um, but yeah, Bond flies. Course, to, which is where you go. <laughs> but yeah, but so Bond flies to Lisa, Canada. I know, represent. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so he goes down to Vermont and uh, he meets uh, Judy Havelock in, in, you know, who's got her bow and arrow he, in the. Yeah. He, puts, and, he puts his hand on her left breast. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit so, weirdly. It, some, weirdly something like that and it so it's, so it's, it's like uh, yeah it's like m's uh the daughter of m's best friends and uh yeah, right. bond bond has to shag so isn't isn't the um isn't the bad guy called like von hammerstein that's right yeah like yeah like that he's got some um, cuban goons with him yeah. yeah, Von Hammerstein, and he does get shot in the back with the, the arrow, which is yeah. by by Judy, which is exactly what happens in the movie. God, I wish I'd done the commentary for that. Um, <laughs> it's one of it's one of my um, it's one of my favourite little uh, short stories. Um, I, I think it's really great. But she's 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 a much more developed character, whether she's Judy or, or uh, you know she's 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 uh, she's an adult. She's she's got. Um, baby, baby just comes across as you know a child, really, and um, it's which interesting is interesting. That, which is interesting because in real life, the two actresses were only like a year apart. Mm-hmm. Well, no, no, he's, he, exactly, Bill. But like their portrayal is 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 is, no, is, is yeah. worlds worlds apart. Um, and and I think it's interesting that Bond is is presented with Stacy, who is clearly older than Baby in, in this movie. Um, but rather than do the same thing that he did with Bibi, he's kind of like, no, I'll take it a bed, which, you know, kind of goes against what he's, what we've seen him do uh, in Fewer Eyes Only. So that's why I have a, I guess I have a problem with it. I think Calvin is right. It would have been, it would have been better to have a kind of a platonic ending or as, as Lisa said, make the characters closer in age. But again, I don't think it would have worked to have had this strange holding onto a childhood like that. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I just, no, the reason I'm sighing is actually I, I had the, I had this notion of another Fleming type idea. So you would have, You'd have Bond say goodbye to Stacy, and then Bond would go to a bordello to get his sack. <laughs> that would I now that would be Fleming content. It goes back to training. I still think the ending should be then stuck on the top of the bridge. So I think that's Do we have any more questions, James? Yeah, well, we answered most of them during the um, most of it was about either David Bowie or Grace Jones's strap on. So if we took <laughs> we we, cow- we covered both of those in depth. Are there, um, are there any questions just, about the shirts? No. Oh. no. But there's, there's other podcasts if you want to listen for four hours about shirts. Hey. Um, so there's a quote from Roger at the end of, um, like after he's finished his PR tour in this movie. And he said, um, 
I'm going to quote, I was horrified on the last bond I did. Whole slews of sequences where Christopher Walken was machine gunning hundreds of people. I said, that wasn't Bond and those weren't Bond films. It stopped being what they were about. You didn't dwell on the blood and the brain spewing out all over the place. Brains. Come on. I think, yeah, it's overstating a little bit what happened in... (laughs) Maybe that happened in his mind, but... um, Yeah, it was not happy. It says more about Roger's imagination than it does about anything else. Um... I personally feel like, as as I mentioned earlier, I want to see I want to see the horror bond. A horror bond would be great. Like, yeah, I, I, I've heard the horror fans on Interbond, so screw them. <laughs> <laughs> bond is lame. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the Man with the Golden Gun, down to its film stock, starts to feel like an amicus horror movie in parts mm-hmm. with a lot of these yeah. like sweaty British actors and, uh, you know, these character actors that would turn up in other things. And with Christopher Lee, obviously, and it had, had it gone a little harder in that direction, uh, there were some horror moments there. Like when, when he's sitting next to Maude Adams's corpse in that, at the uh, venue, there, there were moments that it kind of went that way. Uh, Silva taking his teeth out is a, is a horrific moment for a lot of folks, especially CGI artists. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. Phil, I, Phil I, I love that thing you posted the, uh, the other day of, um, of on a majesty secret service, you know, and you said like, show this to somebody who's never seen a, a bomb. Film yeah. Before. I, um, that's, and I was, and I was just like, it's pure hammer horror. Absolutely, <laughs> down to the dry ice on the floor. It's, it's a, right. It's beautiful. I love that stuff. Uh, I, I'm still trying to cut my KFC commercial with that. Do <laughs> <laughs> you remember when you hated chicken? Yeah, chicken. <laughs> now you love chicken. And it ends with like family bucket, family bucket. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it would be so, it'd be so good. I just, I love that. See, I, I can't. I, I remember the first time I ever saw that, and and Telly Zavalas's delivery being so serious and about, hey, you, I would, you will learn to love chicken. It is one of the funniest things. It's amazing. Um, I, it, it genuinely brings me to tears. I think it's, I think it's <laughs> hilarious. I don't know if I'm just being forgiving, but that, that level of absurdity when, when they do it, it it's, it's really it's what reminds me of Fleming the most when he just goes really kind of crazy in the, in the yeah. last second half yeah. of his books. Thank yeah. you, Bill, because I just, I just want to say this, right? Everybody who goes, I want to go back to the dark and gritty Fleming, right? Well, Fleming, Fleming buried one villain in a pile of bird shit and <laughs> yeah he, he, you know like after he, bonded fought, fought a squid yeah he, uh, he fought a giant squid and he described the guy as basically fu manchu wrapped in silver paper yep and well and he like, also had a uh, had a henchman who could kill you with his hat and who ate cats like, there is Oh, yeah, there, yeah. Is, there is literally like there is so much in Fleming that is it, it's absurdist mm-hmm. and it's kind of surreal. Yeah. Like even in Casino Royale, even in the first thing that he wrote when he's got those two bombers that are basically like you've got a blue box and a red box, you know, and that yeah, yeah it, it, it's it's kind of visually just kind of yeah, absurdist. Yeah, I, now now you've mentioned that, Ben. Uh, the, uh, that was supposed to have been based on a uh, on something that happened, but I've never been able to find out what it was that happened and to who. I know. Uh, so, if well, anybody has got any clues, I, then I, I have on, on the pan, 
you do. Yeah. And bye. <laughs> Talk about something else. I'll come back to it. I've got this. You know. <laughs> I love the kind of, you know, when the when the bomb goes off in that sequence in in that in that um story, in that uh, in Casino Royale. I love the fact that they wake up and the piano is going bang. It's just like such a kind of that to me is Fleming. The idea that there is there is obviously it's kind of rooted in real real life kind of sure spy stuff. But here, here it is. But ultimately, but there it has go. to be has to be absurdist. According, yeah, go, according go, 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 to Fleming, this was identical to the method used by a real Bulgarian in his attempt to kill the Nazi spymaster Franz von Papen during the war. But like Bond, both both von Papen and his wife were protected from the blast by a tree. Yeah, but when when I've tried when when I've tried to dive into this when when I've tried to dive into this, I I can't find anything about it. Hmm. I mean, Fleming well, probably uh, lied. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, I, it, it's 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 a few years now, so maybe there's more information available on Fleming is. Fleming isn't exactly known for his, you know, veracity. Yeah. Uh, on, on, you know, well, and, and I, as as the High Court proved, he was not a reliable witness. He said he well, was a lady killer. Was, You've seen the guy. I was I was going to say Bond. I mean, Fleming owed a lot to uh, uh, writers of the pulps yeah. in the early part of the 20th century. You know, pulps were for those not familiar. They were mostly texts with some illustrations. They were not comic books. They were you know text stories, but they were pretty outlandish and, and, you know, Fleming owes as much to them as he does to uh, W Somerset Morgan and other of his heroes. I mean, at least. Yeah. I I think this is, this is a really good point uh, to, to to make Bill is that like, yes, he does. He does have a, a, a a pro style that is, is kind of similar to Morgan's Somerset Morgan's and, and some of his other, Heroes, he he has a very great pro style, but but in in his description of his characters, they tend to lean very heavily into pulp, whether it's Scaramanga or whether it's horror in uh, Inspire Love Me, whether it's the two Bulgarian assassins. You know, they all are. They're not necessarily drawn particularly well. They're not three dimensional characters. They tend to, even the Spang brothers seem to be fairly. You, you know, caricatures. Caricature, yeah. Um, but uh, I like but how also, on the "If You To Kill" podcast, we're talking about Fleming's ability to draw strong. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, okay, James, I'm sorry, but you know, I just, I just think it there, there is, there is an absurdist quality to Fleming that. Um, <laughs> no, I'm going to bring this back and say, yeah. do you think Fleming would have liked Zorin as a villain? Yeah, I do. I yeah. do. Because like him when it was because he's absurdist. Yeah, because he's absurdist. He's he's he's, he's a crazy also, absurdist villain. It's also the whole Soviet and then Nazi background and all the rest of the stuff that. Yeah, like, I, I, I think he's. I think he's probably one of the closest to Fleming's villains that you get because Drax in in Moonraker, the novel, is probably closer to. Um, to Zorin than he is to the Drax in, in Moonraker, the, the film, right? Yeah, there's a line he's, in the script a- that they take out that makes it even closer uh, where, where you know, uh, in the film Bond, at the horse uh, at the ra- horse race, he says, oh, a rags to riches story. In the script, he says, penniless refugee makes good, which is very much right. Drax's story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely and, it. And Graves and Diner the Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I was about to say uh, Die Another Day was a remake. <laughs> yeah, Die Another Day is a remake. It's yeah, a in many it's, respects, it's, it's, yeah. So Die Another Day is, is, is closer to the Moonraker the novel than the Moonraker the film is, and Graves is definitely closer to Drax than the other Drax. But I, I, I prefer Zorin as a... As a villain, I think the performance of Walken is better. Um, not to not to knock um, Toby Stevens. Toby Stevens is great, but I think he I think he goes too hammy. I think Walken is just Walken is just larger than life. He just that is who he is. He, I don't feel like he's overacting. I feel like he's being Walken. You know? Um, yeah, he. he- he was capable of subtlety and and was quite good in a lot of films before this. And I think around the dead zone, 83, is when he starts to mm. give it up. That's sort of the last time he's playing a normal human being. And then two years later, you have him in this. It's also amusing that uh, uh, Walken, when he played a Batman villain, was also named Max. Max. Yeah. Walken ended up becoming more bit part, and that's a, that's a shame. But, but the bit where... You know, Bond, like Mayday is considering going into Bond's room. He does a lot of very strange kind of facial acting. Yeah, um, he kind of shrugs in that. He shrugs and he's waiting her in. Yeah, okay. yeah. It, it, you know, there aren't many other actors that would have done that much. You don't really know what he's doing there. You're kind of like, what? What is? What is he <laughs> saying with with with? His, his body language here and his facial expressions. You don't get it, but a lot of other actors would have just gone, okay, that's what you're doing. I'm going to go off. Um, but I, I look at that moment and just go, I'm fascinated by what's going on in your mind at this point because I have no idea <laughs> what you're trying to tell me. Well, also that scene where he's looking at Bond's dossier while Bond's sitting in front of him, mm-hmm. and he's going, Whoop. I love that reaction. He's just like, oh, oh. Yeah. It's great, isn't it? He's just like, yeah. he's just that little thing. Um, look, I, you know, I, I, I love, I love walking in this movie. I'm so, I'm actually, I would have, like, if you'd have said to me, you can go back in time and they will cast David Bowie in this, the guy that they wanted to have. Or you could keep it as Christopher Walken. I keep it as Christopher Definitely. Walken. I don't. I, I don't think D- David Bowie would have done half of what uh, Walken does in this movie. Yeah, agree. I think he, you know, David David Bowie would have done this. Oh, Mister Bond. It would have been very <laughs> it measured. Been very, yeah, it would have been, it would have been intuitive. Improv- yeah, you can't. You can't do that. Those lines in the same way. I, 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 I love the idea. I love the idea of of Bowie, uh, Susie's suit, and dead, dead Kennedy's. So you've ruined it for me now. <laughs> well, the wonderful thing about the multiverse theory is uh, that there is a universe somewhere where you can go and visit that. I would love to create. I don't want to create a time machine. What I want to create is a machine hey. that allows us to move Jump through the dimensions. Yes, Timothy uh, Dalton versus David Bowie. Uh, next, yeah, so we can go and watch those movies. Next um, week, uh, ne- next week's uh, recording, I'm not going to be here because I'm actually going to be in that uh, another universe where that multiverse uh, in the multiverse. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, Tell me how it goes. Let me know. Let yeah. me know uh, what what uh, Bowie was like, uh, <laughs> and I, I would greatly, I would greatly appreciate uh, the feedback mm-hmm. on. 
Mm. All right, um, David. As you, I think, like this movie the least out of all of us. Yeah, I I'll start with you. I th- start with you, and we'll go around the houses. Um, highlight and low light. Yeah. The well, I, I w- watching it with y- you lot. Um, actually, I, as, as I said before, it's the time that I've enjoyed it most, and uh, and I think that one of the reasons is that um, I, I hadn't really realized what, what my problems with it were, but certainly pacing is one, as Ben very um, kindly pointed out. And uh, But I, I think if the first hour were kind of squashed down to about a quarter of an hour, it, it, the, the whole film would be improved for a start. Um, I also, yeah, it was also the, the weird things that I noticed a couple of times that the, the kind of daylight crowd scenes, if they'd been shot at night, they would have felt much more Bond like. And uh, I, I, I'd never appreciated that before either. So uh, it, it's like, it, it's a movie that I've kind of always kind of hated. It, 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 it's, if, you, if I'm going to rate my Bond movies, it's at the bottom. Uh, uh, and. Yeah, sorry, sorry, James, and uh, and sorry, Ben, and uh, it, it it just doesn't do it for me. But uh, uh, and I, I'd never really appreciated why uh, it didn't work for me. But um, I, I think uh, I've got a bit more of an insight tonight. So um, uh, that that wasn't the question, but. Uh, well, what would you say is your highlight out of this torturous experience? <laughs> mm. My highlight? <laughs> really having to think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 get a ca- Calvin. Uh, ask Calvin. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. No, I... I, I, I do, you, do, you, do, you rank, do you rank this one bottom as well, Calvin, or is it slightly off bottom? Uh, it, it, it's, oh, it's close. To the bottom. Uh, I, I mean, I think Phil summed it up really well early on in this for me. Just about the we- this. Re- I think it's the weirdest Bond film. I think there is this bizarre sort of duality going on of this really old guard. Like you have all of these wheezing sort of character actors <laughs> coming in to do these fight scenes that much younger men should be doing, but then you have th- this vibrant young uh, villain and uh, his henchwoman who are just fantastic. I love christopher walken and grace jones in this and they're fantastic and there there are good scenes and good bits and things but it's just this it's just really strange and i it's so aggressively 80s it's like one of five films made in the 80s but it is the the one of the it is it's you know it's silicon (laughs) chips and it's duran duran and it's christopher walken and um (laughs) Grace Jones and these things that are just like, oh yeah, no, I guess, and I, I can understand why, and I don't mean this in any way in a derogatory sense because I have this with the Brosnan era of films, and I love the world is not enough, and tomorrow never dies, and I, they're much derided, but the you know the ones that you grow up with in adolescence and the ones that feel sort of fixed around your time growing up often have a lot of uh, sentimental value or relatable value, whatever it is. So I 
can understand why this one, out of all the ones from the 80s, is the ones that a lot of 80s kids talk about yeah. so fondly these days because it, it is silicon yeah, chips yeah. and tapes and <laughs> those little things that you you guys were talking about the uh, the Q's robot dog thing and saying it reminded you of something from that time and I was like, oh, okay, I, I guess that that is why it, it, it feels more like that than let's say Octopussy or License mm. to Kill or whatever, not to say that those films feel timeless but they feel less grounded in that time uh and yeah. so i suppose i i suppose what i'm saying here is that i understand the appeal that this one has and i don't take that away from anyone much like any other bond film except the specter if you enjoy <laughs> for what they bring then that's fine but it's it's not really for me there is a lot in here that i enjoy and i would still rather watch this over for your eyes only probably and a good bunch of the conneries <laughs> but uh it's always ranked near the bottom um highlights wow. i uh, like it when bond says uh tibbet stop wheezing as tibbet is wheezing <laughs> up the stairs uh, <laughs> low lights uh ooh, um probably the yeah the olive oil uh body dummies right. like flapping their way to the to the water in san francisco <laughs> Put a stick in it, for God's sake. Like, how do you... Like, I don't... Like, uh, I'm sure one of the Lamont family, whoever it was on the set, who was fixing that could have done something. But, yeah. It just looks like a beanbag. <laughs> Put a stick in it. <laughs> All right. Bill, Lisa, Phil, who wants to go? Oh, I'll go. Um, highlights, I'll give John Barry score. Christopher mm. Walken is the villain. Um, there are certain scenes I like, like when Bond finds out Tibbet's been killed, you have this suddenly, you know, another tonal switch where, you know, uh, Roger Moore is quite serious and, you know, with his, I'm, I'll somehow, some way I'll get you kind of thing, which I thought, I thought was effective. Um, it's just uneven. Um, you know, the, the cop guy in San Francisco wasn't especially funny and he was supposed to be. Um. Yeah, it's just it's it's just a very uneven movie. Hmm. Should I go? Sure, go for it. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'll say highlights will be the villainous duo. Um, and I know we've already sort of talked this, but I think Zoran and Mayday are very interesting characters. Um, in this film, imperfect in terms of their representations, yes, but very like they visually attract your eye and the things that they say and the things that they do stick with you. And I think that that's what makes them memorable. I would probably say the antithesis to that, like sort of um, the negative side is probably both Bond and Stacey Sutton. I feel as though in some ways, and I'm a big more fan um, in some ways, the film does miss the mark. And I think that they're a bit mismatched based on um just the romantic scenario that got forced down our throats and mm. um uh, yeah their pairing is is it's interesting i mean i love her clothing don't get me wrong but you know i just there's just a here and there i'm just not the biggest fan of of them i'm just more interested and would love to hear more about the villains and of course as i mentioned earlier sort of the negative is that you have like these three really interesting women insulating zoran and like, I, I want to know more about them. So I think that there are just a lot of missed opportunities. And 
maybe, and this is going to be even more controversial, like I think this film would have been better if there was no Bond girl. If you would have taken Stacey Sutton mm. out of the mix and it would have been Bond interacting with Zorin and the women who um, actually support Zorin and trying to you know, Ooh, infiltrate crap. maybe physically, sexually that organization uh, and not being able to do so and having to literally outwit them. So I think that would have made for a little for, bit more. For, for a moment there, Lisa, I thought you were going to say it would have been better without Bond. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that would have been controversial. That would have been controversial, but the Bond girl, sort of, if you, we would have axed her, I think it. I think I actually think it probably would have worked better now that mm. I think about it. So, so I have a question for you, Lisa. We're about a year apart, right? And to me, this was like because as a kid of the '80s, this to me is like peak '80s. Uh huh. I don't get the sense that you have the same kind of feeling about it. Um. Here's the thing. I love 80s. Like, I love 80s love ballads. Like, I'm not even a romantic person, but you put on, like, almost paradise, and I'm, like, <laughs> straight with you, like, melodramatic, shower singing. I'm there. Um, and I like some of the 80s elements in this film. I love the robots and things like that, but there's also some things that I'm just not, you know, the greatest fan. Like, I'm not 100% 80s nut, but... Right. Um, yeah, it's 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 I, yeah. I mean, there's other films that I think like the original Terminator is far more '80s from its mm. music and its aesthetic, and I kind of dig Terminator One because of that, right? So yeah. So <laughs> I, I mean, I I it, I'm cool with the '80s, and I'm cool with some stuff that's that's in this film, but yeah. But not the not the nostalgia trip that it is for some of us. It doesn't feel nostalgic. For me, mm. again, the nostalgia is my connection with my dad watching these films. That's more the nostalgic route. And maybe that's a blocker. That could be a blocker for me connecting to a different era. Because I like I don't remember watching Terminator 1 with my dad. So, you know, right. I actually remember what that was the first rated R movie, that and Backdraft, that I watched with my brother. So maybe, I don't know. There's, there's, there's different family stuff. Uh, this is probably a controversial view, but I like James Bond. <laughs> words like that on this podcast david honestly god you're being david you're being way too positive now you're being way too positive uh, okay yeah 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 i'll, well, I'll, I'll we're tone gonna, it down we're gonna get we're, we're gonna be accused of being sycophants next <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> phil oh hi <laughs> are we still recording um yeah we are <laughs> Uh, it, it's almost tomorrow here, but yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> gosh. So uh, every time we talk about favorite movies on Twitter, favorite Bond movies, uh, and when people come to defend this one, one of the things I always hear is, oh, I, I love it. It's my favorite. I like to put it on in the background while I'm doing other things. And <laughs> I don't think That's always a sign of a good movie, isn't it? Not a metric of cinematic quality necessarily, but you know, this 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 franchise that we love is so rooted in affection. It's hard to talk about what's objectively good or bad about certain things uh, with with uh, the internet, let's say. Um, but I think you guys talked about Living Daylights being a little overstuffed plot wise, and and this is the same problem here. There's just too much going on. Uh, and as I said earlier, the, the the thing that Bond traditionally uses to uh, infiltrate, as someone else here said. Uh, you know, where it's like the Goldfinger uh, gin rummy poolside cheating thing. 
it's it's five minutes and in here it's an hour and it, and it just throws the whole thing off balance for me i think the score is terrific i think the theme song is great uh i think it's clear that roger moore maybe stuck around one film too many um but at this point all, all the quibbles you and complaints you guys had had that that you listed before you went on your uh terminator tangent was uh <laughs> was uh that you're you're all asking for things that I think the franchise wasn't ready to do at this point because like mm-hmm. at this point it's firmly in comfort food territory. It's just let's mm-hmm. give them another one. Let's let's give them something uh, that they're expecting and and there's nothing re- really refreshing about the film, which is kind of the, that what drags it down for me. It's all it's it's all executed well. The stunts are amazing. It's it's well put together, but no one's looking to shake anything up yet. But Phil, do you prefer Alien or Aliens? Alien. <laughs> <laughs> the first Alien, the first Terminator, the second Living Dead movie. Oh. Uh, the first Texas Chainsaw. Uh, oh. How many franchises do you want me to burn through here? <laughs> no, we're, we're doing good. Evil Dead. <laughs> Evil Dead. Evil Dead 2. James is taking notes right now, yeah. like just time code notes. I was really looking forward to tonight. <laughs> Yeah, it's one. I, I think there's a there's an entire di- entirely different podcast happening. <laughs> what's what's happened is like one podcast from one universe. Yes, encroach, encroached onto another podcast. Who from another crossed universe. the streams? Uh, who the hell reversed exactly. the polarity? Who's the one who did it? We, we just got it. <laughs> exactly that. But View to a Kill, I've really come to uh, enjoy it in terms of just an affectionate watch. I don't think it's nearly the, one of the best films of the, of the franchise, but it's it's a fun movie to experience now and again it's not it's not one i reach for very often but uh it's i i don't i don't have any animosity toward it it's just sort of an easygoing two hour and ten minute ride for me and that's the odd thing it's the longest of the rogers hmm. I, I i will i will just come in on the end of what phil just said which is that for me yes it is absolutely comfort food um I, I can put it on in the background and I enjoy it just being there as, as, a, as a kind of a, a, an entity and filling a space. Um, it, 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 it has its own kind of reward of just, just, just existing. Um, I, 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 I also want to talk about what Calvin said, which was, which was just that, you know, like it, it obviously resonates more for certain people in, from a certain time. I am that person from that certain time. Mm. And so it does have that resonance for me. And I recognize that that is a biased refer, uh, um, kind of experience. Um, well, all, all, all experiences ha- are biased. Yeah. But- well, mm. yeah, no, I, I guess what I'm saying is that, like, you, you know, if, I, if I'd have grown up at a different era, I probably wouldn't have the affection I have for this film. You know, it, it wouldn't exist. It, it, it is it is completely about when I was born and what I was doing in my life when I saw it. Um, it isn't. I, I I would. I guess all I would say is that the things that people consider to be problematic or um, you know not great about this this film are the things that kind of make it sort of enjoyable for me um i i i i 100% agree with you because i there there are two things i can say i was going to say two words but one of the first word is me the second word is the man with the golden gun 
<laughs> yeah, like, uh, like exactly. I, I don't like the man with the golden gun at all. I had that it, idea, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I recognise how you could love that film just because it, it has a certain resonance for you. This film is the same for me. A View to a Kill has that resonance for me. Yeah, I, I can't hundred percent understand you. I can't look at it objectively. I can't take yeah. myself away from it. Absolutely, and absolutely, what, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And that's and that's sort of why I love it. Um, I all of the things that are wrong with it add to the fact that I love it, hmm. um, which is a weird thing. And um, yeah, you love the flaws, uh, you know? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it, the flaws. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, love it, the fact that it it doesn't matter. It takes yeah, an absolutely, hour. it doesn't it, matter. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah, to, to get to the main plot. They become um, endearing. It, yeah, it's sort of, it's just part of what it is. The fact that everybody's too old or, you know, it's just there are there are many things about it that, that aren't right. I can, I can, there's a part of me in the back of my mind that goes, yeah, that's that's awful. That's terrible. That doesn't work at all. But it, it you know, it, 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 it's a Gordian knot that cannot be unpicked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love it for that. And that's all I will say. I'd say that that's childhood. That that's kind of one of the beauties of childhood, and and, uh, that and and coming to your first bond or or whatever it is. Uh, I think Mm. it's simply that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, My question is, where did the budget go? Because um, movie for the same reasons you love this movie ben i love this movie it's like that was my introduction to bond it was the game came out you know all that other kind of stuff all happened at the same time it looks cheaper than octopussy and furos only Mm. but it was more expensive Mm. the budget's only 10 percent less than moonraker made six years earlier jesus so where did the budget go inflation (laughs) because you've got We've got like <laughs> guys that don't even look like the characters. They're doubling in pickup shots on location. You know, there's. Did I, I'm curious as to where the money went. Because... So let me ask you. A, let me ask you a question, James. Like the 007 set that got rebuilt. The um, yeah. You know the the, the quarry yeah. scene, the Pinewood, right? Um, was that did that money come out of the film budget, or was that was that a separate kind of entity? Well, the ownership of the 007 stage, who pays for it and the, where the money goes, has been shrouded in so confusion my, my, yeah, over my, the years my... because we're on to how many versions of it now? Yeah, exactly. But but that's where my question is. It's like if this film costs this much money and you built an entire soundstage out of that, then that would that would explain a lot of it away. Well, you know, the budget for The Spy Love Me was $14 million in 77 and the budget for View to Kill was $30 million. Um, Jesus, eight years yeah. later, and they built. You could argue a more impressive set and stage they for the Spider-Man than yeah, this one. So again, where did the money go? Because the things that the thing that disappoints me about this film, even though I love it, is it it just looks cheap. And to David's point about like everything's shot during the day, pretty much, whereas it wouldn't be now, right? It's it's almost like everything seemed, and the, even down to the Beach Boys being a cover version and not even using the real mm. Beach Boys for the show, everything seems to be like one degree off on what mm. they should have spent. Like an extra few bucks here, an extra few bucks there. So I don't know whether there was a big hole in the budget, whether it was Roger's take on this to get him on, but, you know. I, 
I will I was I, I will say this. David enjoyed this this podcast, this viewing because he, of this podcast more. Um, somehow I, I've enjoyed this film less. Uh, <laughs> oh, because shit. Sorry. Bigger because of me. Um, <laughs> well, I, 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 will, I, I honestly, I think you've, you've raised a lot of really good salient points of like, yeah, that would have looked better at night. And why wasn't it at night? And James has raised a few points of like, yeah, where did the money go? Why doesn't it look better? Sorry um, about that. So, I, I'd, ne- yeah. I'd never considered that. I'd never considered the night shots before. They, they always seemed off to me, and I hadn't realised it before. No, day. but, it's, but yeah. it's but it's entirely valid, David. And like, and James I, was, I wasn't trying to right spoil it for you, though. I wasn't. No, it, it's not. It's not spoiled, and it will never be spoiled. But I agree that it could have looked better, and. You know, knowing what this knowing what this film cost versus some of the other films, it does make you go, "Yeah, why, why, why is why have we got an IKEA floor?" You know, mm-hmm. and and that's and that is a bit of a disappointment. Why have we got a grey suede jacket? It it does it does take something away from it. Yeah, should have been all of well, brown. If assuming Roger Moore got a raise, there were probably others got a raise. John Glenn probably got a raise after Octopussy. Yeah. Michael G. Wilson would have gotten a raise because he was promoted from being executive producer to producer because he and Albert yeah, Brockley shared the show. It's, it's, it's something. It's, it doesn't does explain. Come, does that come out of the back end or does that come out of like. Probably both. You know. There's going to be an up, upfront payment, there'll be back end payment. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Now, I'm not saying that explains the whole thing, but. You know, there's you know some of that going on, but I've I've talked to a lot of people who worked on this movie, and the one thread that is consistent across every conversation has been, we did this for budget reasons, or we couldn't do this for budget reasons, and we made this choice for the budget reasons. So every single conversation I've had with people who've worked on this film, yeah, and I don't understand it because it cost more than the last two <laughs> prior to it, and um, and they didn't really. What is in there that costs so much? I mean, shutting down parts of Paris for the car chase probably wasn't cheap with all the backhanders they probably had to do with the prison government. And, uh, but, and the Eiffel Tower and all the rest of that, yeah. Yeah, but there was not – and obviously building the 007 stage, but again, that might have been more of an investment than a spend. But yeah. not a whole lot else in this film that you look at it and think, whew, that cost a lot of money. Well, I, I'm going to blame Duran Duran. Mm. <laughs> they took all the budget. They must have done. Yeah. Um, Simon yeah, Le Bon, yeah, his, uh, his, his hairdo and his, his makeup. Lavish, and, lavish and suits. In, in yeah. fact, uh, probably at least a tw- at least 25% of the budget went into his shoulder pants. I think it, <laughs> I think it was uh, a beret for every member of the band. Um, and... and uh, the striped shirts that they all wore, I think that just ate up the budget. It's understandable, <laughs> really. So, um, yeah. there you have it, Simon yeah. Le Bon. <laughs> Blame Simon Le Bon. Um, well, if, if, we're, if we're at this point of the recording, it's obviously quite, quite far down we're, the we're, line. We're, but... beyond, we're, we're beyond the point of it being ridiculous now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so. I, 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 would just, I, would just, I would just, my final thoughts are that... We're, we're um, into the out, outtakes it, of the outtakes, I think, Ben. <laughs> I, I've I've just enjoyed it thoroughly. I love I love I love the film anyway, but I love watching it with you guys. Yes. Um it's it's been a great experience. Um 
nothing has been diminished really. Um, and uh, I, I just, I'm grateful to, to be a part of this so I can enjoy this movie with my friends. So thank you. All right, so the question is, what's going to come out first? No Time to Die in Theatres or me finishing the edit? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think that the uh, the dark gothic horror of Alien Three is perhaps uh, what's the pattern. Yeah, but like, what about Fincher uh, doing like you know what? Do you you prefer the assembly cut or do you prefer the the theatrical cut of of Alien Three? I'm an assembly cut guy. Uh, I'm sorry, James. I'm sorry. My, 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 my final thought is I don't want to hear a klaxon ever again. <laughs> Why would you hear a klaxon? It's only it's only it, if you mention what what do you normally talk about. Uh, not going there. Not going there. What are, we, what are we going to talk about next week? Well, we got we got a dilemma now. Is because this is going to take so long to cut down. Or do we want to keep this? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, James. Is this the last one ever? <laughs> We're just going to leave it there. <laughs> I'm really, I'm genuinely yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. Like, we uh, do you guys remember what we have left? Do you want to just go and pick one each? Octopussy. Yeah. There you go. All right. You only live twice. Goldfinger. Oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> I would never, I never thought he'd say that kind of thing. You know, in all the hours we spent together, I never thought every year I did it to them. Oh, shit. That's uh, I'm trying to see what you haven't done yet because I'm not on all of these, but I'll throw Spectre in the mix. What the hell? There you yeah. go. Hey. There you go. Oh, evil, evil man. Yeah. If, okay, I'm just going to say if, if Spectre wins, you have to be on that podcast. Yeah, to. I'll go on whatever one you tell me. Like, to. so you can't, you can't just leave it to us to do. You actually just have throw to that grenade and you walk out of the room. The, the, the only thing is, if Spectre, if Spectre wins, I, I'd love to be on as well. I, I love Spectre. Listen, whenever you do Spectre, I will be happy to show up if, if it helps you at all. We'll see. I, I, I predict Octopussy will win. Yeah, me I too. I hope it will. <laughs> You're welcome. So if you if you still if you're still listening, uh, this was originally three hours and nineteen minutes. I might get it down. <laughs> I, I might crank it down to like three ten or something. I am so I feel so terrible at the same time I'm laughing my ass off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm so, so so so. Phil, Phil, you you were saying that you sh- that people even if they don't uh, listen to the uh, watch along bit, they should w- listen to the last half an hour. <laughs> Can you revise that opinion? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that sentiment has expired. That James has managed to edit it down. To. Yeah, I don't know what the edited last half hour will be here, but. Uh... Listen to the three hours after that. (laughs) (laughs) If if you've got time. (laughs) All right, ladies ladies and gentlemen, um, I'm calling time. (laughs) Bye. 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 Alien Covenant isn't that bad. (laughs) 
a kill Face to faces The secret places Feel the chill Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-